Warning. The following contains bright, flashing lights, and slash or imager that may cause discomfort, and slash or seizures for those with photosensitive epilepsy. Viewer discretion is advised. Tijuana. We are. Uh, we randomly walked in. That's true. It is a uh, it is a pretty beautiful uh, Thursday morning right now. I started to see you online, um, specifically like I remember watching you on Rogan and making the connections in our mind. Uh, me and Avi, the guy that's helping us film everything, we're talking about you on our way here. How we have these vivid memories of seeing you fight in the UFC hmm. and they were like look he's coming yeah we like back then like to our young Tijuana Mexican minds watching this bootleg VHS tape <laughs> or I think it was a bootleg VHS tape or probably a DVD I think for a lot of us it was bootleg VHS yeah. tape that first UFC I ever saw was the same way yeah I remember this whole aspect of uh this uh, almost enlightenment happening at a global scale where the crumbling away of untruth came over us, where, where we realized that Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris were not you know, being completely honest when they were doing their movies, uh, and seeing how um, you know, certain things started uh, coming to the forefront as far as fighting arts, as far as uh, what would win what advantages, mm -hmm. leverage. All of a sudden, we saw wrestling isn't uh, just a gimmick. We saw all these things uh, kind of started originating in that time and space with you. Yeah, well, it, it's, the, it's a crucible, right? So that which can't withstand the heat will be melted away. And that's exactly what happened. And then even over time, you see how the game um, creates and incentivizes then the process. So now you'll see like high athleticism, a lot of kickboxing with wrestling as a counter uh, tactic or a tactic to score maybe towards the end of a round or just to establish control on the floor. Yeah. And as far as like the submission side of things, it's almost non-existent now. And you, they'll pull up the stats and be like, oh, the most, the most common submission is the rear naked choke, the sleeper hold. And I'll go, yeah from people punching someone, they're near knocked out, and then they jump on them. Yeah. Or they get on top, they start pounding, the guy turns over, he's near knocked out. And it's like nobody really employs a, a true submission style attack anymore because people have figured out how to game the system towards the most successful way of approaching it. And, but that's the, the way of all games. Yeah. You know? If you could talk to yourself back then when you were going through these first fights, did you have any of this of these things in your mind as far as like taking to, into account mm -hmm. the things that you just expressed basically? I was always well aware of what the arena we were fighting in would and wouldn't brook and how people were going to approach this. From the, the specific sense of, okay, this guy comes from this school, they're known for this thing, and in his fights, watch when the chips really start falling and he's in the, the most dire scenarios, this is what he'll revert you back revert to. to this. And, or 
you know, these fighters from this country has, this is a dominant style, so you'll see this heavily peppered in amongst everybody, things like that, but then also watching how the fights have laid out, not just on that card that night, but from all the cards previous. Yeah. And just getting an idea of it. But ultimately, I always, I w- I've always been a big proponent of just because you know what I'm going to do doesn't mean you can stop it. And so me putting my game on you and putting you under pressure, however that could be, that could be by, uh, by grappling you when you're not a grappler, you striking you when you're not a striker. But even simpler, it can be creating rhythm and timing and distance that you don't enjoy. Yeah. Where, you're, where I see that you're uncomfortable and constantly putting in myself and you into that space and watching you start getting anxiety, breathe with a little more tension, anything that can start hanging on you, right? Yeah. It's like the idea of holding two pound weights at, at arm's length. At first, it ain't so bad, but long enough, long enough it starts be- to work. All of a sudden, that arm starts to drop and drop and drop. And so when I can get that mental side, that, that person's will start to have little cracks under that stress, and as it cracks a little more and it cracks a little more, and I'd say wasn't ever really any particular technical aspect that made it so most people never make it out of two rounds with me. Yeah. It is that... I find those cracks, I put that pressure, I break that will, and as soon as I see you start bleeding, and I don't mean in the physical sense, I mean in the, in the, in the spiritual, the, the mental sense. The back leg. It, it's done. It is done. I, you, you showed me that you're, you're wounded, you and it's, effect, it's affecting you, and I'm gonna tear it open. And yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give you your release, and that, you'll be happy for it. That, that, that mindset comes from somewhere. You, you grew up in Seattle, Washington, didn't you? Oh, yeah, the mean streets of Ballard. I mean, well, I've been up there recently. Oh, well, yeah, it's a different story. <laughs> I've been up there recently. So now, now, now you definitely need this on hand if, if, you're, if you're walking around or better off with, with this guy probably in, I, I had in this Seattle. Surreal, I had this real moment in Seattle where I was seeing some of the heroin that gets sent from here, there, mm-hmm. being put into needles that the federal government hands out. It was a surreal thing. Anyways, we don't want to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> it's <just so> ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Someone like, and there's people up there. Mm, you know, let's have let's a conference that. on this. Yeah, let's yeah. have emails and everything. And at the, you know what? Yeah, let's just uh, let's load it. Neat little box. They give you all your shit, <laughs> so you can just drug yourself in the corner, and then you just dump it in the ground. And if you're walking, don't wear sandals in Seattle. In no way will this ever be detrimental to nah, to the funny. to the people using and the people around them. Yeah, there's same. no way. It's it's just a weird place. You grew up there though. Yeah, I did. It was it wasn't that Seattle back then. It was a beautiful place with a high amount of culture from all over the world. Being a port city, being a, a really highly educated city. Although you know, what does that really amount to if you really look into it at this point? But uh, and then it's access to nature. So my dad was basically born in the woods. And he's been working logging and a man's a man. He told me he, he lied to get his first job for his age, right? He said, Oh, I was 16, but he wasn't. And he worked in a plywood mill down there. And one of the earliest memories he remembers was an older, an old codger, as he put it, who should have known better, watching a, a, a piece of plywood get stuck in the press as everything gets loaded in. I was going to ask if your dad has all his digits, but let's... let's. Uh, he, well, I mean, at this point, whatever's 
<laughs> underground. I don't know. He, yeah, yeah. He, we, we, he died in uh, 2012. But he, uh, and, and yeah, he did have all his digits. <laughs> but uh, and he watched this older guy who should have known better go and kick this piece of plywood. And it just, un, 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 it's, it unlocked the machine when the plywood was was unstuck and it just pulped him and so he's like oh wow so they had him scoop sawdust over yeah. all of it to, to to scoop him up yeah, and you easy. know that's my dad telling me a normal story or uh you know talking about the tension on cables when he's setting chokers doing logging and watch him snap, snap sometimes off. and go whipping and get out of the way and just see a helmet go split yeah yeah, yeah. little stuff like that your uh, no filter. No dad. Your dad didn't have a filter for your kids. Basically, no. <laughs> my dad. He was. He, he really was a loving man uh, for any of his faults and for his 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 great aspects. That's how he. That, that's how he, he was. Everybody was scared of him because uh, I, I told my mom once. You know, there is one thing I kind of have a hankering. I wish. That I could have gone back in time at yeah. us in our prime and fight, fight, fight my dad. <laughs> and uh, my mom's like, well. What, what is that about? Well, I just, what it was, it was it? one of our earliest ways of bonding was Fighting. him teaching me how to fight. Yeah. And, you know, his rule originally was essentially like, look, if someone's getting, you don't do all this pushing and shoving and all this stupid stuff. I mean, he showed me people want to do that whole that shoulder bumping, how to pop the shoulder as they come in and turn it into a sleeper hold, and I'm like seven. Uh, or how the, the areas to, to hit to cause damage to you know, get this guy to, to give up. And simply, look, you don't stop the fight when they fall. You stop the fight when they stop moving. Then you've won. And don't come this, back here a this loser. Is, this is a self-taught man that works with his hands. Just he was... Different time. After a stroke... He still had in his right hand over 200 pounds of pressure he could squeeze. And then his left, or the, the stroke hand still was like over 130, something like that. I mean, he had, he was super quick with his hands. He was, he was actually quite athletic. A dead eye shot who could, and I've got people any, that any watched other? it happen, watch him pop a deer running full bore two, 300 yards and hit it right in the back of the head. Any other time, any other place, he would be. Achilles or somebody. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure how, how, how far that would have went. But, yeah, my dad was not someone to fuck with. Yeah. And that was Did you? everybody knew it. And so just the idea of, like, hey, Dad, I'd love to have got you in the ring. And I'm pretty sure I could have beat your ass. Yeah. In fact, I'm very positive of it. Not that you would have rolled over for me. But, uh, but my mom's response was, you know, he was really fucking mean, and he might as well as just shot you as deal with you. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, and that's true. It's it's almost a, uh, you know, he he seems just from the way you describe him as a, you know, most of us now won't recognize somebody like that. No. He was out of time. Mm -mm. He was like, a, he was, as a man of his time. It's true. Yeah. Uh, for good and for bad, right? Like you don't, you don't get to have any of the benefit that that comes with that without also having to accept the, you know, the things that maybe aren't as shiny as you'd like, but the, it, the whole the whole is made up of of all pieces. With parents, like on my end, my dad is a, my dad's a pacifist. He's still alive. My dad's a pacifist. Huh? He, my dad's a pacifist, <laughs> right? I mean, on my end, but my mom on the other one, on the other hand, she was 
she was a ninja, right? She would she would she would figure out ways to destroy you. Um, what was your mom like? Was she a counter uh, a counter? Uh, My mom was the more cultured side. I mean, she came from Shelton, Washington, which isn't like a big city or anything like that, but her. My grandfather was a high-powered lawyer. And at one point, he was assistant attorney general of Washington State. Wow. And my grandmother played piano. And, you know, so my mom had to take piano lessons. At the dinner table, grammar and speech was policed by the grandfather. And if you wanted to do something, say you wanted to go out with your friends and spend the night and do some activity, whatever, right? And he said, well, okay, argue your case as to why you should be allowed to do that. And wow. so she had to come up with arguments for all kinds of different things. And she went to school, uh, accounting, among other things. Uh, but mom was 5'11", and stoic. Uh, I'll put it this way. Like, my fiancé is like, she intimidates the shit out of me. She just, I, I, you have no idea where you sit with her. If she hates you or loves you or whatever, like, she just, she seems like she's just as soon kick you off, off the, off the ledge and be, just walk away. Yeah. Like, she's not really that way at all. Uh, she's actually really incredibly sweet and is a good, I, I think, like, I got a, a really well balanced um, uh, education, let's say, growing up uh, as, as, as non well balanced as I may seem <laughs> and also by occupation. But, uh, my mom would take me to arboretums and classical music stuff, things of that nature, and encourage my love of film and literature and all of this. And my dad would teach me about how to fight, how to work on cars, how to do manual labor, how to like just uh, you know hunt and dress yeah. dress game and. And all that kind of we're stuff. Completely you know? upside down. My mom was yeah. the, my my mom was the one that did all for me, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, you, you know, you have this upbringing with these two kind of like polar opposites in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them are adding their own ingredients into who you are. This uh, Seattle, what's that? I mean, back then, was it boring? Nah. Like you said, you say it was safe. Nah, it wasn't really all that. Boring. I mean, I had little. I had plenty of dust ups as a as a young kid. Uh, when you say dust ups, little scraps. Although, what what, what are the arguments about? Uh, <laughs> stupid kid stuff. You're dumb. Whatever. I'm yeah. not dumb. My problem was, I was a nice kid, but I didn't know how to regulate being fucked with. Yeah. Like there was like, okay, we could play and we can mess with each other a bit, but kids as they're trying to as they're developing you know they, they they push boundaries they play in areas that when they're new to them like what is it like to like say something to really hurt someone or what you know they're i don't yeah. always believe that kids are being evil although they do have evil in them and yeah. it's possible but they're they they play with things that they don't really probing. understand they're probing around and me being a big kid and a dork um you stand out in more than one way yeah. And I think some of it was the older brother syndrome. Like you mess with the older brother, eventually he gets mad, he chases you, you're laughing and giggling, but he catches you and he really does fuck you up. And now you're crying and you're upset. But two days later, you do it, do it again anyways, yeah. right? But I think there was a little bit of that um, because of my size, but also I, at a point, would react. Like yeah. I, it, would, it would actually affect me to the point I would get pissed super upset like why are you trying to to hurt me 
when I've not done anything to you. And how, the, how will that, how will the, how will the violence? It was violence. violence. You know, because my, my, my feeling was, if you're going to hurt me, then I am going to hurt you. Was it, imme- was it an immediate just flurry of fest type thing? Generally. Yeah, generally. But, but there was, uh, there was a propensity for things to be a bit more intense than I think what you would call your, your adult authority figures knew what to do with. Like uh, a kid, um, he we got into a fight over something, something dumb, right? Something dumb, but it shouldn't have shouldn't have even happened. And he he kicked it off, and then it ended up with me, you know, giving one of those like, was it worth it? Was it worth it? As I picked his own bike up and threw it on him over and over and over again. Is this what you wanted? Is yeah. this how you wanted this to turn out? Because now. Were you having you, that conversation as you were doing it yes. or later on? No, no, as I'm you're, doing you're it. You're bouncing this bicycle saying, off somebody and yes. you're like, is this what we're doing right now? Yeah. Uh, or the time some kid in class kept pushing and pushing and deriding me and talking shit. And, you know, this is second, no, fourth grade, maybe third grade. I yeah. mean, we're young. He just kept going, 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 going. I just said, look, man, I, I said, don't. But you pushed it, so I'm gonna fucking see you after. Oh yeah, okay, fine then. Yeah, we'll do it. I go okay. So we meet up uh, in front of this little brick concrete wall. You know, it was concrete everywhere. It's a city, and I start laying in on this kid, and he lost right off the bat. Like he's getting, he's hitting, getting hit in the face. He's getting. He, I think he tried to headlock me or something. And I slammed him up against the wall. Just I'm, I'm letting rights and lefts go. Of course, there absolutely. There's no way they could have been picture perfect, and I'm sure it was awful kid yeah. fight stuff. But you know, I'm whooping his ass, and and his his sister is there, and she's now begging and pleading me to not to, do it. To not but, but but at this point, this is something that I knew just was a part of how I'm built. I just would I just turned to her and I and I just said, "You can't, you can't." You can't um, I go, "No, he doesn't." No, and I just was like, you know, I just kind of laughed. And told yeah. her, like, this is what's going to happen. You're pouring out. You can't stop yourself. In my kid head, I was like, he had every opportunity for us not to be here. But no, now we, here we are. Now here we are. And yeah. neither you, your mom, no one. Nobody matters right now. No. And if, you know, that 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 kid of me would have hit her. Was, was, that a, was that a sense of justice that you had in your head? Some of that, I think, was a concept of justice. But... In a kid's mind, who doesn't understand the consequences of no, and, and also over. doesn't understand what where are those where the like level of retribution should lie, yeah. and, and then the, also the, what is the end result of any of this? The, where does it? The, get there's to? no, there's no real school of social violence. No, and every now and then, like when I was growing up, I was like. You can't kick him in the balls because that's not passe, mm-hmm. and then he'll and then you'll and then everybody will jump in and kick your ass. So that's how you. That's how we would. You know, this is the level of violence that needs to. And, and I be think had. that's a, a decent mechanism for yeah. us as social creatures but is to have been, taboos. But you we've know? been we've been destroying those. Oh, we don't have taboos <laughs> anymore. I, I say that uh, one of the problems with the U.S. is in a country that has no honor, it has no shame. Yeah. And if you don't have shame, then where's the limit? And you can't, if you don't have taboo, 
then you don't have the sexiness of engaging in the taboo, but you also don't have any limitation on how far that taboo can expand, how much it can be not only allowed, but even at this point celebrated. Yeah. And you're like, I don't think that's the way things work. You, you, you're, uh, you're having this conversation with yourself anyways, which is good. It's a good thing if you think about it. Um, going through my own therapy and some of the bullshit that I have to go through myself, the aspect of having a conversation when something wrong is going on, hmm. even if you can't stop yourself, is a net positive in the long run. I think because some people don't have that conversation. No, and at the very least, I think it's, it's fundamental that people at least come to grips with who they actually are, not who they want to be. Um, I think there, there's a place for that too, but you cannot get to that next place without knowing where you're at. And with that, you need to understand where your weaknesses are. Yeah. And with that, well, now, okay, now that I've identified it, I've accepted it, I ain't running from it, I'm not trying to cope, I'm not any of these kind of things, I'm, I'm facing it dead on and saying, yeah, this is me too, I have to accept that. What can I do about it? Okay, well, maybe nothing at the moment. Well, then what do you do? Well, how about you, now that you understand that, figure out how to shield away from it, how not to allow yourself into those places or stay away from the things that's going to get you into that at the very least. Yeah. And understand that if you probe in those areas or you, 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 you get yourself into situations that start going down that path to how to circumvent that at the very least so that you don't allow this thing that's a detriment to you to flourish. And then over time, when you learn what you can and can't do with it, then you know perhaps it can be developed into a strength. Perhaps it'll be something that will become as a memory as it was just one step towards something better, but it, with just the way that you had to travel that path meant you had to take it that way. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time figuring out who I was, also with a feeling of why, why, do, why does the world hate me? Why does it always feel like the world is against me and how, how, it wants me to... How old are you when you're thinking these thoughts? 12. 12. You know, what's what's like, the soundtrack? Uh, well, the soundtrack has always uh, it's been Iron Maiden, Slayer, You're Megadeth, listening to Slayer. Metallica. You're listening to this stuff staring at the, the ceiling of your room. Why the fuck does everybody hate me? Yeah. Is this, is this the, uh, the thought process? Yeah, it's true. And it's like, why, why do I come up with such... Why does it feel like I can move forward only to then get pushed back, you know, three steps when I took, took one forward? In time, some of it was understandable to me in that what it was is, is, is how I held myself. If you feel like shit, if you, if you don't have a high opinion of yourself, if you are self-degrading, that's the way the world's going to treat you. That's, a, that's, 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 a, that's you, what you manifest, yeah. basically. Speak forward. Uh, understanding that social disrespect cannot be allowed. There's ways to mitigate that and navigate it that don't always come down to, you know, throwing a guy's bicycle on him over and over and over again or something worse. But yet, what you allow, the way you allow others to treat you is the way everyone will treat you. Yeah. And so the idea that sticks and stones may break, uh, uh, no, that, that's bullshit. You don't get into fights with everyone because they called you an idiot, but at the same time, you don't allow yourself to be degraded in, 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 in a yeah. certain way. Yeah. Otherwise, then 
it, it only compounds itself. An, an ethnic slur being said in a place where others hear and you don't respond. A a call of violence, a sexual of a sexual kind to your mm. mother, um, mm -hmm. uh, being spat on, like a physical action. The, that the is, physical actions are, physical are, 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 are sort of a note. Like that one, yeah. there's not much you can do about it yeah. other than respond in yeah. kind. But even the stuff of like, you want to say something racist to me, or you want to insult my mom. I can. I'm quick enough that I could turn this back around and make it about you. Yeah. About why are you such a bitch that you're running around running your mouth? About what? What do you intend to get with this? Because you're not going to fight me or you're not going to do this or you're not going to do that. And you can expose their own cowardice. Yeah. Or you can expose like, oh, you're looking for a cheap opportunity to come up, you think, over somebody else. And yet I'm going to stand here and show you how not only does it not really matter to me because your words are weaker than you are. You have no foundation to employ anything. Yeah. So, so you're you're this kid that is blessed with a well, no. This the, took a while. This is me no, now. No, you're, 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 you're a kid. That, you're the kid. Then they're just blessed with this physical capabilities. Yeah, you have a father. I, I have a, fa a, fa a an easy fondness to violence. I don't start fights, but I realized when I was a kid that I actually like. I loved it. Yeah. I loved being in a fight. In this conversation, you're having in your mind about well, why is everything seemingly against me? Mm -hmm. What was the answer that you would tell yourself, or what were some of the answers you would come up with here in your in your young mind? Uh, it was hard to figure out, um, and some of those answers were some some people were just really shitty. It's uh, a good answer, <laughs> which can be true, and it can also be true that they're shitty because they're young and stupid and yeah. suffering in their own way. Although yeah. I, I'm not going to give everyone the pass of like, oh, everyone as a kid is fighting their own battle. No, some kids are pieces of shit. Some people, yeah. And that's just the way it is. And they're going to grow up to be bigger pieces of shit. Yeah. Um, but some of it is, uh, well, some of it was this. Me not realizing that no matter how many Greek fables and things I would read about justice and other moral and ethical considerations, no matter how many Aesop's fables or books on mythology I would go through, the world doesn't work like that at all. And that you can go to the principal's office for a fight and go, well, this kid is you know, doing this and doing that. And a circle of them broke out and they're all taunting me. And I'm trying, you know, but they're maneuvering around. So this circle keeps pulsing and moving as I try to get one of them. Then eventually they got bold enough to one of them ran up and kicked me and I chased his ass down and beat the shit out of him. Yeah. There would be no fight if people weren't doing such a thing. Yet the principal is like, well, you're bigger than them. You shouldn't do that. Like, well, wait a second. But that doesn't, that's so wait, that's open season to fuck with me yeah. and I got to take it. And then it's, uh, well, but you can't, you can't fight him. But I'm like, but he hit me first. Yeah. So it, at the end of the day, for them, if this kid, me, is beating up some other kid, I got to be punished, and the other kid is now a victim. And now I'm sitting back going, none of this makes none any this fucking makes sense. None of this makes any sense. You know, yeah. this isn't in the tw 12 labors of Hercules. This is not <laughs> in anything that I'm trying to digest as like a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old. And I'm just going, what the fuck? This isn't how things work out in The Hobbit. This is how any of this shit goes, right? All this, <laughs> this these... heroic journey is this is not how that looks like. No, and you know I don't know what that 
authority position for a principal or whatever really, really entailed. Uh, you know, I have to I have to acknowledge that I don't know what that guy's position was and why, but ultimately, I can say that as a system for uh, guiding uh, kids four. through uh, education and social um, uh, social mores, that's not. That's a that's fucked. It doesn't work. All you do is reward the shithead, and you tell everyone that violence is never acceptable, yeah, which violence, is a complete lie yeah, throughout I, I all up, history. I grew up with this whole concept: violence doesn't solve anything. You know, it the, does. The guy that Sometimes hits it does. The, the, the second punch is the one that gets you in trouble. Yeah, which is again the whole justice aspect of it. The injustice for me when I was a kid that was what infuriated me. That's what I, I, yeah, made I, me. I, I think. In this, we have a, a real, real common ground. I, I felt it wasn't just the the way I was the recipient of all penalties, and, um, and, and how it dissolves authority figures, like in front of you, like this principal telling you that basically you have no right to self defense, mm -hmm. that the mob mentality that you were faced with, that entrapped you in this situation that you wanted to escape from, you wanted to stop. They're the victims because you're bigger. Is or because I won, or, or yeah, because you won, and because you're maybe maybe you saw some size disparity. I don't know, but in it's bullshit. That guy probably didn't have a Dan like you had, probably, <laughs> right? Uh, he went to humanities or something. I don't know the whatever whoever he was and whoever those kids were too. They probably didn't have a Dan like you. No, none of those kids had a dad like mine. So, that, that's a fact. Which is something like I struggle sometimes with, like going through my own therapy and figuring things out for myself, this whole aspect of, uh, I don't know, there's a period in, everybody, in every man's lives where they're like, fuck, this isn't normal. This, is, was it, this wasn't a normal childhood. It was my parents' fault. You have this moment. <laughs> this is... This is like this is a, this is adults are fucking idiots as well. Oh well, yeah, of course we're like growing up, and then realizing that they did the best they could with what they knew and what they had. Of course. And let let's see you do better, fucking working in the woods cutting down yeah. fucking. Yeah, I'd like to think I could do better, mainly because I feel like I paid attention to them yeah. and what they did. Yeah. So I could learn from that. Not especially not sit back and try to play any sort of victim card. Uh, definitely not with my parents. I had great parents. I wouldn't wouldn't change any of that. And I am very much a Nietzschean in a way. I, I think about a lot of things. Uh, so in my loneliest of lonelies, if a demon came and told me that I'm doomed to live my life in every single aspect, to every single detail, every grain of sand, over and over and over again, that for me it is the only the only response is amor fati. That's it. Uh, to, to live that life over and over again and to be okay with it um, and to also to learn to love it. And that to change any of it means that the guy who sits here today, completely who I'm fine with, I like this guy, yeah. all right, um, there's no telling who he would be. Yeah. And the chances that it would be a lot worse are much higher than it would be a lot better. What was the event that basically told you <laughs> or, or that told people around you? This kid needs to chill out. <laughs> uh, I think it was the time. So I was already getting 
I was already getting the administrative end of the stick all the time, and I didn't get it. Um, at one Suspensions. point, yeah. And at one point in second grade, we had a, a dual classroom where, because I was in this gifted kids program, and I did it simply because after kindergarten, all the kids that I'd made friends with, I go to first grade, and none of them are there. And now I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? I don't know anything. You know, what new teachers and where are all the? I don't know any of these kids. This is weird. I don't. I don't like it. You know. So I, I see one of the kids in the hallway, and I go, "Where are you?" Oh, well, we're in this other classroom. I go, well, "Why is that?" And I go, "Oh, well, we're in the Horizon program." I go, well, "What the fuck is that?" Oh, well, you had to like do some tests or whatever. And then I go, "Okay, mom, I want to be in Horizon." Uh, okay, yeah, all my friends are they're doing that. So let's 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 do that thing. So she takes me to some school in Seattle do a test on a weekend or whatever. And I just go in, do my test. I'm like, okay, great. That's cool. I can't wait to do Horizon. And then she tells me, not only did I pass for that, but then there was another program, which was like the, the like nth percentile of kids. I made it into that one, but there was only one school that ran that program. And my mom's like, I'm not driving you to, that. to this school every day. And no. It's not happening. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't give a shit. The only thing I wanted to do was to be around my friends. I didn't care about doing a test to do it. I didn't, none of this registered to me in any way. It wasn't about whether, what your intelligence or any, fuck it. I just wanted to be around my friends. I knew these guys. Yeah. So let me do that. And so our little classes would get moved around in different ways, but we had this dual class. And I remember at one point, uh, the, I don't know what it exactly happened, but we were doing, we're going over what poetry is in second grade. And the teacher sets up the classroom. I'm pushed off on the side and then has the class all write poems about what a bad kid I am. That's, that sounds like a horrible idea for some, for one person. I, I in remember that situation. being so resentful. Like, fuck all of you. You think you can, like, one, it's very much like how old, uh, you, how old are you? Second grade, so seven seven years old. Yeah, they're, they're or eight years old. They're creatively cr coming up with poems about about what a bad kid I am, why I'm bad, and uh, I just remember thinking like, okay, you know the you know, basically the log in your eye and the speck in someone else's and all that kind of stuff, and just sitting back and being like, okay, why me? Why are you putting this all on me? I'm the guy. I'm the worst person in the world. Like, look at all you fuckers. And then you, you're the authority figure, and you're doing you're this to me. It. And I, and I know I had some trouble with teachers uh, because even as a young kid, if I didn't think you were fully deserving of respect, you wouldn't give it. No, <laughs> which is understandable. Yeah, one one te that same classroom, the, the other teacher in there, uh, she had been telling my mom what a bad kid I am, what a bad kid I'm. And, and, you know, I wasn't a bad kid. I was just a, I know I wasn't a bad kid, but I was uh, fired up. Like, they wanted to put me on Ritalin and all that dumb shit. My mom's like, that ain't, that ain't happening. Good. And I needed, and really what it was, I just needed, I, I needed teachers other than them. So by the, when I got kicked out of Horizon for fighting, um, uh, I ended up in regular kids class, and I had this, this teacher Mr. Smith, who I loved, awesome. My kindergarten teacher, loved, awesome. These kind of these other teachers on the in-between, there was just something about them that never sat right with me as a kid. Now, as an adult, I can look back on it and I go, 
I fucking see it now. I get it. What what is missing in these fucking? Uh, you know what? They they live in a la la land that is full of fucking fairy tales and bullshit. And how they think humanity should act. You know, they're very much. I would I would imagine they would think like, uh, you know, you could everybody just socially wins. condition everyone to yeah, be. Everybody wins. Everybody's first. Everybody's first place. Yeah. Everybody's special. And, uh, you know, like violence is never the answer and, uh, you know, but they, they don't, they just deal in platitudes and ideas that, that never have been seen throughout all of human history for every culture that's ever existed. And disarm the kids that they're in front of. Like, uh, imagine these kids coming out of that system. Yeah. Wait, I'm not special. (laughs) Wait, you guys have to compete. In the work environment? Yeah, exactly. And just because you can find some sort of make work job doesn't make it anything of real meaningfulness, right? It it in and of itself will not give you what is needed to really be a healthy and happy person. Yeah. And so this second grade teacher, uh, she's telling my mom, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. And she goes, okay, well, well, I, I, I... Got nothing to go off. Well, I'll prove it to you. And so I guess my mom comes back for this day, this date, and she's sitting there with the teacher. And the teacher's like, All right, I'm going to, I recorded them all day. You can hear it. Press this play on this tape. Blank. Nothing on it. Well, that's straight. He was, he was especially awful today, and blah, 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 blah. And I can't, I don't, under, I don't get this. Well, and my mom's like, Well, it sounds just fine to me. Comes back home, knocks on the door. When did you erase the tape? <laughs> what? Don't bullshit me. When did you erase the tape? Oh, she was fucking around on a smoke break. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> no face, no case. That's right. Early lesson. That's right. Wasn't there. Um, but the thing was, they had like this, they just... They didn't, really what it came down to, they didn't know how to deal with a boy with that kind of energy. That's what it is. Yeah. To even give them their due. They were dealing with something they just didn't understand. And you can't expect the boy to self-referentially make these kind of deeper corrections when this is all part of development. you yeah. got to allow kids to develop. And you guide them, but you don't lock them. Yeah. And... That's not easy to do. Not for me, not for any of us, not for parents. Sure as shit, not for teachers. So I have some level of sympathy for them, but that wasn't a place for someone like me. It just wasn't. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, fuck, maybe all that anger and hate and rage at some point came to something useful. But I think the biggest thing about it was that over time, it was just like this constant pressure on me and pounding and beating and beating out of me like you cannot be yourself you cannot operate this way in any way to the point that I just stopped standing up for myself anymore I just became a punching bag by middle school I just I got into like one fight in middle school I was definitely afraid of getting into any altercations anymore because then I just figured you know permanent record that whole nonsense but just I would just be expelled and punished and all this and then put all this shit on my family who you know my parents would be upset with me you know one point I had fought so much that my my mom and dad were like you just know more of this shit we were just so tired of it and I uh was beating some kid up on a on a parking strip and 
again, it was over something really stupid. And in fact, something that I at the time thought was so utterly dumb, like there's no reason for it, but it was the sixth grader and I'm, I don't know, fourth grade or something. And they're like, you couldn't beat up Jacob. Like, uh, why? No, it doesn't matter. Like, it's so stupid. No, uh, like, no, man, I, I, Jacob kick your ass. Well, he couldn't. And that's fine, but why? No, well, I, could be, oh, I can beat your ass. No, you can't. No. And then I beat yeah. his ass. But in the middle of beating his ass, I get a handful of hair. Wow. My mom saw me fighting this kid out because uh, it was just like two, two doors down. And wow, I got pulled back. Oh, yeah. Like someone's trying to take a trophy, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's blood meridian almost at this point. And, uh, the scalp and territory. Yeah, and uh, my mom was just furious, like, no more of this shit, you know, because they were tired of dealing with it. Were, were you depre- was, was this depression, basically? They're basically trying to keep you from being you. Yeah, being essentially, it's suppression, it's I would a suppre- call it. It's, and, a, it's, a, it's a suppression. Uh, they, uh, you know, I had to do anger management uh, classes, which were stupid, but uh, it was just more... To me, I just look at it as just more like conditioning to make me docile and to not see the world the way I did and to want to stand up for myself. And then this followed on. Then I I did find sports, which was really a lifesaver, not to be too cliche. But by getting involved in sports, especially wrestling, uh, I got to take more of the world into my own hands again. Yeah. And what was that like, the the discovering wrestling, like for yourself? Well, football was cool to start with, but I always was like, yeah, I should, I want to wrestle. You know, my sister dated wrestlers, and I thought wrestling was cool, and I loved pro wrestling and fighting. And I thought, well, wrestling is closer to, wrestling is closer to fighting than football is, so I want to do it. (laughs) And uh, easy, quick conversation for yourself. uh, I excelled right away. In fact, I, I remember the football players that I was playing with that were older than me, were la- oh, they were just like, oh, we can't wait to see you wrestle, and you're going to get your ass kicked. I can't wait that we're going to fuck you up, and ha, 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 ha. And to their, to, to, to their, ben- to, their like, um, uh, to give them credit, they're right, man. Yeah. When you first step on the wrestling match, you have you no idea. You have yeah. no fucking yeah. clue. Yeah. And, and you, you generally just get like fucking Flipped ground into, times. Into, the, into the floor and fucking conditioned into oblivion. And Yeah, I, I get it, and it's, they're right. It just was that not this one instance. Yeah. <laughs> so it started off as, okay, okay, yeah, you get me here. I'm a little clumsy there. Got it, got it. And then it was, I pin all of you. I'm winning. I'm placing in all these tournaments. You're, fake, you're, you're, <laughs> you're being stimulated physically and also intellectually into trying to figure some of these things out. Yeah, and it taught me a lot of great lessons, like uh, just showing up for what's, uh, what's on the menu is not enough. And having to, like, why are you guys getting running gear on and taking off. Oh, yeah. we got to run. We got to do more conditioning. We got to do more cardio. Like, well, what, about, what about practice? It's not enough. Okay. There's more levels to yeah. it. Yeah. And so anything I saw them do, I did. And then some. And having sports was great for trying to, but it, it almost created like a, a schizophrenic person in that, or like a multiple personality thing. Like who I was in sports was not who I was it outside is. of the room. Yeah. And these two things became disconnected um, through, you know, the, the, the way that they had structured all these systems and stuff. So even in high school, now I was even more terrified to stand up for myself because I would lose the, the most important thing I had going on, which was my ability to be in that sports arena 
uh, and be myself. How did it feel to get recognition there? Like you, you've been going through a life of you get recognized for something else, not not. Uh, the f- well, initially, the first recognition was my own team hating on me. Okay, because <laughs> you were uh, gifted, we could say. Yeah, that's and and it sounds. I hate telling these stories because they sound so like fake and petty and like the, the, such an egotistical thing. And there, if there's one thing I fucking can't stand is the idea that I'm arrogant. Yeah, I, I don't. I know who I am and what I've what I've done and what I can do. And I also know what it takes to be the best at something, like the best in the world. Not just for me, but I've been around those other people and trained with them and seen the coaches that developed those people. This is the fact that that can seem so absurd to people isn't surprising to me because until you know what that's like. Yeah, most people never approached something of that nature. Like the, the, to dominate somebody physically and to train your body, your mind, your soul to do it in, 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 a, uh, in a training space. Mm-hmm. And in handing that responsibility off to somebody who's going to coach you and doing that and following through. Yeah. It, it's, that's something. It, it's all pretty wild, if you ask it, me. Really, thinking, thinking about it, I mean, this is not going to the gym and just lifting for TikTok videos. This no. is going somewhere. Puking might be a thing that's going to mm-hmm. happen during training. Uh, slam down, hit down, injuries, recovering from injuries, figuring, like, taking horrible advice from other people. About Having good injuries. days and bad days. Having good days and bad days, but still fucking showing up. Not letting it uh, make you too overconfident or not erode your own confidence. That you'll, it's yeah, so most, all this does. Uh, uh, it starts cutting away at people, the types of people that we Yes, it does. I mean... I remember this whole aspect of the people ask me like, what's the, what's the hardest thing? Showing up the first day is the hardest thing. And I think the second hardest thing is that first loss. Mm-hmm. What was your first loss like? Like most people don't come back. After that, it, it some sucked, people don't come back. But the very, that very night, I shouldn't even say night. That almost seems like an even longer passage of time. <laughs> Within 10 minutes or less, I got interviewed second, and Frank Shamrock goes, and, and he's talking to me, and I go, hold on a second, let me see this. That's how he got me. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> you're, you're looking at this. Yeah, at the, on the Jumbotron or whatever. Motherfucker. Yeah. I'll get you next time. And uh, I go, okay, well, look, I was winning that fight, this and that, blah, 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 but here's the thing. I'm going to get a chance, and we're going to have a rematch. Next time I'm going to be knocking his ass out. And that's what I said after being KO'd. And then... Over time, I stole the technique he used and now made it mine. And yeah. eventually I did rematch Peter Hizzo and I won by KO. But but that's 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 just uh that's your wiring. But a lot of people don't have that wiring. Yeah, so somebody gets knocked the fuck out. First off, where am I? Yeah. Am I okay? Do I want to have that happen again? Like the first concussion that a lot of the first con- concussion that a lot of fighters get changes some of them. And again, I don't know if it's physical, but or or, or mental, but I've I've seen it, it, people it, it, take that first could, loss. It could be physical to some degree, but I, I really feel like mental is, I've, I've is, seen, is the, I've the seen, highest thing. I've seen again when you talk about the minority of people in the world, the minority of people in the world will show up to a training, 
the minority, you know, smaller portion of those will stick to it at, mm -hmm. at a, to a high degree. And surviving that first injury loss aspect of it, I think that's why I see a lot of people just drop off. And then you see these weirdos there that stay on. I, I have a real response to losing, let's just yeah. say. Uh, and, and when you say response, I mean, you know, I'll, some people will take a loss with, fuck, I'm an idiot, this sucks, I'm an idiot. Uh, you got, your wiring seems to me, this fucking guy won, let me see how I can start building myself up so he's like harder to do. <laughs> I uh, often... It can be as simple as this. I remember my, I used to get into these knockdown drag them out fights with my older sister. She's old, eight years older than me, and she was mean as shit. She still is. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't allowed to fight her anymore as I got bigger and I was winning all the time. And, and they were not good fights for siblings to be having. Like one, one of them was I headbutted her in the face and threw her downstairs. So that's like, mm. you can't be doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I remember one time she got super pissed and she just socked me in the arm. Threw some, I don't know, insults and whatever. And I remember sitting there and the feeling of where that impact hit. It felt like fire was radiating out of it. Like it was getting, it was getting hotter and yeah. hotter and I'm getting madder and madder and madder. And the more I recognized that someone got to hit me and I'm not doing anything about it, like it, there's this interplay of rage building and building and it's building more because it's restricted and that that spot is getting hotter and hotter and hotter and I'm trying to do what I can to encapsulate this into some way it's as a pressure not, cooker a pressure cooker bomb man. yes <laughs> it, so losing at times you know it could be even in the gym and I'm well aware of what training needs to be and it, it isn't it is about the journey itself, being 1% better, let's say, than you were when you got on the mat, uh, when you walk off it. And it isn't about instant success or yesterday necessarily. It's about all the days that lead up to these moments and then how you take and employ that when the time comes. And then how even after that that moment, that pivotal moment, that, that peak, it isn't just, oh, drop off and build it all up again. But then how do you ride that into whatever else is, could be available to you? Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. But... I'd have a bad day in practice, and all I could think about is, okay, so the next time I get to spar this person, this is how badly I'm going to destroy them. You know, it just had to be is, that. I just Is anger a part of it? A little bit. You know, uh, it, anger, anger is a weird thing. It's, it's an energy. If you, if, you, if you think about it, anger is an energy, you know. It's something that we expend. Mm -hmm. It is something that sometimes produced irrationally. Sometimes very rationally. Sometimes anger is very rational in why it's produced. Uh, a lot of people don't know how to manage it. That's true. Uh, it's, an, it's an intense side of our nature, just like love and lust yeah. and some other things. I mean, there's plenty of ways in which our own humanity can totally cannonball yeah. us yeah. if we don't know how to allow what that is to flourish in a healthy way yeah. you know i mean it sounds like fucking therapist speak but yeah i mean there's healthy and there's unhealthy there, there's there's a you know i've met different people in my life uh from high level 
SF ninja people to fighters to criminals to murderers, mm-hmm. you know, all of these types. Um, and amongst all of these people that do these violent activities, uh, there's some people that are cold and they talk about being emotionless and getting into this flow state and uh, not allowing emotions to get in the way of what they're doing and being very methodical, cold, clinical. And then there are these fucking true believer motherfuckers who are emotionless shit, who if something happens, they'll not only think about how to get back at you, but they'll figure out how to make it even extra, a little bit extra vengeful, yeah. you know? Like, I'm not only going to murder you in this fucking fish taco place, but I'm going to burn your house and something's going to happen to your dog. And all that's going to happen first so you can see it. Mm-hmm. Because what would be the point of it otherwise? If you didn't have that hanging on your soul, when I come and yeah. extract the, the final... That's that's an extreme, you know? And then the clinical extreme, one of these signable lector motherfuckers that are out there. Um, somewhere in the middle. I, I think that there is there is a way to, depending on the scenario... Look, if I'm operating... If I was to operate in some way with other guys and we needed to... I don't know, uh, you know, take someone out with, with some cold uh, ammo-spitting machinery. Sure. Emotions are definitely not going to help you. And even in the ring, being overly emotional isn't going to help you either. Yeah. But I feel like some things require certain levels of cold focus uh, because I need the machinery now to be allowed yeah. to be... I need to step back. To, 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 to operate at its best while I, the vessel, use it in its best possible way and if there's other people with me i can't let my emotions yeah. inter uh interrupt them as well yeah. not just by my actions but my my vibe could fuck them up when you separate that into an individual fighter in the ring facing now in the ring up. there is a good point for cold deadly focus however passion i yeah when i people go, what's it feel like to walk to the ring i go one uh, i'm already at I'm at peace with death. I consider that we walk hand in hand. I thank it. I'm glad it's there. Um, and then I feel like the chains of modern modernity are being ripped off of me, and I'm allowed to actually be strip more bear. of who I really am. Just strip bear. And now I get to to experience the highest mode of being that I can think of in fighting for my life. I mean, it's, it's uh, as far as men go. It's a pure. It's a pure. It's a pretty pure form of masculinity. If you think yeah. about it, I mean, you see, I don't know, you have like, a, I, uh, I spend a lot of, I used to spend a lot of time at the San Diego Zoo on my days off. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can stick around here in Baja because it's dangerous back then. Um, and I just uh, sit and watch the great ape exhibits specifically. That was my favorite spot. And I would see how the alphas would treat, you know, the lower classes and how there was, you know, discussions had. Every now, every day uh, a, a, a trainer came came over, and not a trainer, like a keeper came over and had this conversation about how the alpha was tested every day, mm-hmm. you know, every day, every day. They would probe them, you know, they would do small things of signs of disrespect, this and that. And if at any moment he faltered, the pressure would be even more. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, you think about our nature, you know. Oh, that's so I mean, that was that's kid stuff, that's even gang stuff, right? You know, that's little ki- disrespects or you know, that thing about public disrespect, right? It's trying to show whether or not how far can I get away with this and yeah. then how you handle it. 
Yeah. Right. It's you know, shit tests and how you respond to that. If you, if you lose your cool and beat them up, then people will be afraid that you might beat them up, but you did lose respect. Yeah. You know, anytime that you show that they can get to you, you're losing respect. You're losing. And that's a hard thing for people to understand. Yeah. But in the ring, is it, it applies. Um, and yeah, fighting is it definitely, a, it can be an incredibly masculine endeavor, but I, I would say, I, I look at it like this, where most people want to go out and compete. I want to destroy. And I don't do anything that I don't expect to be done to me. In fact, I, I absolutely expect that given the opportunity, they'll be as I will. So therefore, you have to go first. When, when you go into a ring with that mentality of destruction, where are your strengths, though? You know, th this is a this is a place with a this is a there's a guy there. You're in there. You, I already a, accepted. I already gave a, you, you gave me a set of rules. This and, is the and, this and, is the agreement we're gonna yeah, have. You already gave that to me, so okay, I abide by it. We're on this. See you out there. <laughs> Just like getting run over by a car. Yeah, well, and, and I tell, uh, it's, it's embedded in my fighters, too. I go, you don't stop until the ref stops you. That is your job. Your job is to destroy. Uh, when we're in the ring, everything is reprisal. Where, where's the, uh, you know, people hearing that? You know, there's, there's a lot of people, different, different mindsets out there listening to this, and they're like, oh, that's... I don't want to win. By decision, you don't want to. Win I, if we go to decision, it's out of my hands. I lost my uh, sovereignty there. Yeah, I gave it away. Yeah, there's doubt. There's doubt in the. There's air. no way they could think I lost. Fuck you, bud. Trust me. There's a way. They can find it. Yeah. You know, I've seen crazier shit that people say. Does is, that get you? Yeah, it does. But what 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 part of you gets angry with that aspect like when when somebody you see a decision that they made on, on a fight you had mm -hmm. and you'll see the well never read the comment section but i read the comment section actually that's fucking amazing of you that's but i do it because i look for the threads comment comment uh, commonalities in in what the people are saying maybe maybe yeah. they have some truth to them exactly um, or even when they don't is there, do I see this being repeated by others? Is there some kind of mythos being created based on how they want the world to appear instead of how the world is? Yeah. And these things are all true as well. And to them, they're true, potentially, that they want me to be seen as this and not that because whatever. Um, people, you don't have any control over what how people view you exactly yeah. i mean there's so much you can do but at the end of the day they get to see you how they want you to be seen to themselves and they could do that even to such a degree that they will completely mythologize you in a particular way good or bad that isn't you at all but for them that's what they want and so if they want that you will be that seeing all these interpretations of what they see in front of them, to me, gives me something to work off of. Sometimes there's really quality stuff there that can be derived from it. A lot of times it's quality because even like when it's telling you something... An example of something that you've seen, a thread that you've seen that made you correct or adjust, uh, which is a weird one. I've never heard anybody talk about You know, that's funny. That. I don't... I can't pick one right off the top of my head. I usually just like 
read through it all and then see where it's at. Like, uh, I'll say this, uh, and, and this is another strange statement. I feel like a good portion of, let's call it hate that I receive, is because I think that the world, in a very loose sense, we'll call it, has an idea of who I'm supposed to be, and then they don't like it if I exceed that. Like there was a, I feel like there's a, there's a station that I'm supposed to occupy and yeah. not exceed. Yeah. And when I do that, when I exceed that, people get pissed. They're like, no, this you can't do this or say that or be right about this or, or win it. No, no, you're not, you're not supposed to. We, some of us have determined that you must embody this thing because of, I don't know, the way you speak or look or, or something. Yeah. And we've determined this is not you. you yeah. You cannot this. be this. I want this for someone else. And now you're here. You who I don't fucking want there. <laughs> and I'm like, well, fuck you, man. You know, if they were, if they could have been it, then they would have. Yeah. But they're not. So fucking eat a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even better, if I'm the one who knocked them out of that place, it's like, well, that it wasn't for them. They weren't capable of, 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 holding that space so i so i did you know i'm sorry well i'm not well you were in in your you know growth period basically wrestling training professionally now like you're well, you're, you're getting to learn how to talking about wrestling yeah. back when my first real um example of, of acknowledgement was negative yeah i remember you know, my I got a Letterman's jacket, and I had started to put some medals on it. And the, I'm a sophomore in high school. I remember one kid, a, a, a classmate of mine, he's just like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but the, the fucking disdain that you dripping had, off of his lips. Of your success. Because to them, they're like, well, we spent all this time wrestling, and you just show up, and you're, just, you're, you're exceeding our accomplishments. Yeah. And we don't like it. And I'm like... I'm on the same team as you. Yeah. What I do, I do, I thought we do together. We go out on the mats alone, but we're in the room together. If I'm scoring points and you're scoring points and the team's getting high. Justice. Like, isn't this justice on your end, on their end, there is no concept no. of justice. And I just remember right off the bat, as soon as I started succeeding, like the there was like this real resentment. Like, what the fuck, you know? How, of all the people, we're on the same team. And I didn't say shit to anybody. I didn't rub it in. I didn't all I, it was just something about like this kid caught my medals. Bitterness. And that, and that was like, yeah. no, fuck this. And then I went to state my first year as a wrestler where no one on the team had ever even come close to even going to state. And they're just like, by junior year though, things were different. Senior year, you know, it was, it was now it's like, okay, yeah, this, this guy. But even still, it's like uh, when, the, when the yearbook voting, that dumb shit that we do, uh, you know, by my senior year, I competed junior nationals, junior and senior year in wrestling for freestyle and Greco. I, in a city that has no early wrestling, no wrestling clubs, doesn't do any of this shit. But I'm out forging my own way. I'm training even at another school, Everett High School, during my senior year because I needed more, more coaching, more everything. More, uh, I needed to be on a team with all these state placers and state champions to push me. And be in that environment. Uh, with football, you know, I go to football camps and stuff like that. I, I pick up track and field junior, senior year. I go to state immediately. 
Uh, and, and, you know, I'm just now in athletics, I'm at this level where I'm trying to figure out how to get and stay at the top of these things and seeing those that are way greater than me at certain stuff and then seeing those that I've surpassed and then all the coaching and the support around that and what it takes to try and make these kids operate at that level, not just the super crazy gifted ones, but to take just the fucking crazy hard worker and, and turn that into some success as well. And, you know, the high school quarterback for our shitty football team, he gets voted most athletic. And I'm like, that guy's most athletic? And you're like, you know, I compete at national <laughs> levels on shit, and this I guy, like, plays. two fucking schools. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I start fighting and all this, and, you know, I win world titles. But at the end of the day, none of this shit matters because you need to learn where it's important to be aware of the the the... the the populist kind of stuff and where you need to really just buckle down on your journey because how can you, you can't really expect everybody else to understand it so, that. It hurts so much though at that time where you don't uh, know anything. You're like this, what, what this motherfucker got stupid, first? Yeah. Oh shit. My world's going to end this shit. This fucking ending. Everything is well, going to end. It wasn't too bad for me. Cause I was already, I was always an outcast. I was captain of the, one of the captains of the football team, but you know, I still played D and D read comic books and watched <laughs> anime and was like not invited to anything. Was there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they did not want me hanging around. I, I, yeah. I, I, I was, I was, a you know, I was into, into weird shit when I was growing up too. Um, that aspect of the, a lot of the resentment that, a lot of the struggles that I had when I was a kid growing up like that is what was my inability to inability to accept that I was an outsider. Yeah, it's right? a denial thing. You're yes. like, no, I'm going to go with these guys to this fucking party, and we're gonna pick up chicks. But first, let me watch X Men the animated series yeah. from the first episode to the last one, just to hype myself up. And look at Rogue's fat booty. And then make a joke. A very yes. And then make a stupid joke about that with the people that you want to impress, and none of them know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. And you're like, Can, should I change them? You know that meme of the dude at the at the basketball or baseball game, and he's got his arm around this blonde chick with her tits up and everything, and he's like, blah. And there, you always write like some inane yeah. shit there. If that could have been me. Guys or girls, like, oh, you've never heard of Warhammer 40K? Well, let me tell you about this. It's the coolest thing ever, and they're just well, like glassed over. Like. A, lot, a lot of our, a lot of people's struggles. It's uh, the, the aspect of resisting. I'm an outsider. I'm not. It's the best thing about my life, to be honest. Is, is the not, accept, not, when you accept when you accept that it's the best thing in the world. I love being in the margins. <laughs> you know, that's where you belong. You know, fucking Nietzsche wasn't popular when he wrote to begin with. And yet he's one of the most important philosophers of, of our modern era by far. I, um, on my end, uh, somebody gave me a book, the Book of Five Rings of Miyamoto Musashi mm -hmm. in there. And, you know, my, my family wasn't that cultured, so I didn't get a lot of books in my house. Uh, but uh, a, a, a friend of mine just gave that to me randomly. I remember reading that, reading his... Uh, basically identifying in him the whole aspect of being self-taught, being an individual, fucking going it alone. Mm -hmm. This, well, fuck you guys. If you don't believe in my shit, I'm just going to go off to the woods and hit a tree stump for a fucking year and then come back and murder somebody with a stick. Mm -hmm. You know, That aspect of it was interesting to me. Uh, 
but specifically in that he owned it. Like he never, oh, woe is me. Yeah. Training in the woods, smelling like shit, mm -hmm. and then going off and murdering every single major head of any it's school. It's so crazy school. that it, <clears throat> it takes this time for you to understand that that which you are doing that ostracizes you, let's say, and you, get, you focus on the ostracization, right? The, the being marginalized out of it, right? Kids being like, uh-uh, no, no, I'm not in, I, no. Yet, you love all this shit. Like, you're, you, get, you, you lose sight of the fact that you're doing all this shit that you fucking love, that you think is super fucking cool, that why are you so concerned that other people the aren't into it, you know? And it takes you a moment for that light bulb to ever really fucking light up and go, <laughs> why was I so concerned about everything else when, in fact, I'm fucking living it up for the things that I'm into, and it's awesome. Now has to be said, uh, you know, playing Magic the Gathering uh, doesn't, didn't bring like a whole lot of no, options for pussy. But so not, not, a, not a lot of action getting a... <laughs> yeah, no, not, not exactly. Rolling no. <laughs> dice, no. But you, uh, but once you come to the understanding that you are who you are and you like that person and what you don't like, you'll work on it and what you do like, you'll, you'll make better even then. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like these people aren't over going to be overly concerned with you having a nerdy hobby. They're going to be more concerned with who are you to them? How do you present yourself? How do you go through the world? How do you make them feel? Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it's not as a kid, it's probably impossible yeah. mostly to figure that out. And I, I know I was not capable of it and, uh, you know, it caused plenty of confusion for me, but at the end of the day, I never strayed from the path really. And, uh, you know, here I sit today with a person that I can be completely happy with. Cool. And uh, with that, that allows me to then do that much more for other people because... That, that's, I think that's the destination that a lot of people don't even realize, mm -hmm. that we spend all this time building ourselves up, figuring things out, becoming a product of experience and making a name or at least a reputation that people know us. And we don't really, we're kind of aimless. At some part of that journey, we're like aimless. We don't know where the fuck we're going. And all of a sudden, you find yourself sitting down, there's a bunch of people asking you questions. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what the fuck are you asking me? You know, I'm, who am I? And then uh, de la cres is something somebody told me once, an instructor of mine. Um, you have to believe it. You know, mm. if you don't believe it, you're going to have imposter syndrome forever. And those people are usually the ones that get forgotten. You have to have that faith. It has to be there. Cretela, you believe and that, it. And that faith isn't in absolute success or perfection. It's faith in that you know who you are and that regardless of the troubles, either within or without, you'll get through it. Yep. And you'll deal with it in the best way you can. And you, it's not about coping. It's about, all right, acknowledge. Yeah, if this makes me look bad, it makes me look bad. But that's it. If this makes me look good, great. Don't fucking tweet your horn, man. Like, use use whatever you're getting off of that to, to roll into the next thing for you and for others. Um, and I always felt with the 
incredible male mentors I've had, like Fred Sato, uh, who got me into judo, who was, there were four people to start with in Seattle in this Bruce Lee story. There's Bruce, there's Taki Kimura, Jesse Glover, Fred Sato. And so this is also why I can't watch Bruce Lee biography movies because I'm like, that's a fucking lie. That's a fucking lie. That's a fucking lie. Why is none of this in here? No, there was never a guy named Leroy. This all <laughs> took place in Seattle. Fuck you. You know, I just, you know, the Dragon, the Bruce Lee story is such, such a bullshit movie. Uh, it's I, a, I, when I watch Get the Gringo, when he's it's supposedly put into Tijuana prison. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's not what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I, it's just, I, I, I get upset because I understand. You know, oh, you don't want to highlight Seattle, and yeah. you, you think it's sexier for him to be at like UCLA or some shit. Also, you, you're gonna you don't care about Jesse or Tacky or or Fred. Yeah, like, come or, on. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> you know, I got lucky to have him. He was my football coach, and he everybody all he would demonstrate one inch punches, and everyone's like, oh, he's training with Bruce Lee, and that was such a cool thing. But really, it was like. He just embodied that stoic masculinity, but with an affable side to himself. He could do the flag at like 50-some years old, 60 years old, strong as shit. And, but him just, he had such a confidence in himself just in the way he held his, his person. And I just thought that guy demands a kind of respect for his physical strength, but something else as well. I need to understand what that is. And then, you know, leading from that to Jim Harrison, old school blood and bloody, bloody knuckles, blood and bone type bare knuckle karate stuff. Yeah, but, but this is, uh, what's the name of this, his style? Um, what's the name of his style? He has like a karate. Oh, Bushido Kan Karate, yeah. Okay. The, it, which is his incorporation of judo, jiu-jitsu, karate, boxing. He was the first so, light heavyweight kickboxing champion. These were these were the uh, the attempts at people to try and mm -hmm. mix and match what, what made sense. Uh, well, as, I, I remember being there in 1997 and watching a green belt test, right? And it's like he had to win two out of three rounds of judo, two out of three rounds of kickboxing, do the calisthenics, do the forms. Do all, it's like, but it was the, you had to win. Yeah. If you lose them, bye, you don't get your belt. It's the guy who became a brown, the brown belt above him, who was our, our senpai for the school, he basically had to win an MMA fight in the, in the gym. Like, go. And if you lose it, you ain't getting, you ain't getting promoted. Damn. And, and then, you know, uh, at the, Celebrate. So my one of my first like moments with Jim Harrison that really stuck in my head outside of when I meagerly came into his office and said I'll do whatever to just train here. I just really want to. I need somewhere to be and train and trying to develop. I had already gone to the judo club at the at the school, University of Montana, and beat everyone, including the instructors. They wanted more. <laughs> I just was like I would. I need to find whoever is strongest. Even when I was in, at wrestling camps, I would try to wrestle. The, the collegiate counselors, the coaches, I would go after anybody. I could get, I just, all I wanted was, come on. Experience. And if you beat my ass, I'm like, cool, I'll be here tomorrow. I want to like, learn yeah, that. Keep beating my ass, but yeah. I'm going to keep coming until I can beat you. It's like the Kung Fu thing. Like I'm going to find someone who can, who can beat me and then I'll train under you kind of did, thing. Did, did you, did you see that in somebody else? Where did you learn that? that I, the, it's just me. 
I think it is just who I am. The challenge. I, I, yes. Like I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to, if I'm really going to do it, I'm going to be the best. And my drive as an athlete was, I want to be the strongest in the world. I want to get as far as I can get with everything I have. Um, and whatever that's going to look like. I need to find it. And the only way to find it is through the pressure that makes a diamond. And if I'm not actively seeking it out, then I'm just being a coward. So um, with Jim Harrison, we're changing in the locker room, and uh, his chest was all caved in. That's what happened, you know, sensei. Well, I was working on a special, in a special unit in East St. Louis, and a guy shot me caught me in the clavicle and everything and crushed it in yeah okay (laughs) what happened then well i managed to get my little 25 ankle gun and kill him okay start stop showers right like don't leave the shower on right you know i got it i'm not gonna fuck up (laughs) you know it's just this guy there was a there's a i remember there was a picture on the wall from some martial arts magazine where he's Uchimading or no, uh, Harai Goshing, I think. Some guy, they're all in plain clothes on a basketball floor because they're at some tournament and some shit started and he chucks it and he just fucking spikes the guy right on the floor. Fuck. And he's, and I remember asking him about it. He's like, I fucking hate that photo. That form isn't good. <laughs> he just, he, the one, the one time I met Chuck Norris, I'm like, hey, I'm a Jim Harrison black belt because he's going through the road. He's like, oh, Oh, you're a Jim Harrison guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's way different. Yeah. And he talks to me in a different way. Bob Wall, same way. I'm like, I'm one of Jim Harrison's boys. Oh, oh okay. If you're a Jim Harrison student, that means something a little different. And then you would see, you would hear like these different stories about crazy shit. You're like, eh, that sounds a little bit too wild to be true. But then you're at, I'm at a celebration of life and here are these people from that story. Yeah. Here are some <laughs> of the military guys. No, he did do mercenary work. No, yeah. he did do these things. And we saw him, and we watched it, and this guy was something else. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And all the world of all these Frank Dukes and all this bullshit. This is you a real mean, one. You, there's a guy that really is the thing. But he was such a humble person. You know, I don't mean like he walked around with his head bowed. No, he had an incredible confidence to him. But he... He had no reason to try and hype himself up to anyone. He just was the thing. And if you didn't want to buy in on it, that's your fucking loss. Yeah. And he was a huge, uh, another really huge male figure in my life that made a real impact towards fighting. And if anything, he only helped me to be meaner when it came to fighting. And he accepted that part of who I was and saw it as a, a real benefit. Yeah. Because there wasn't hardly anybody meaner than Jim Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, people like that. And then I, I eventually get to learn to people like Billy Robinson, Carl Gotch, and Antonio Noki. And then you've got Matt Hume and Eric Paulson in the MMA side of things. I'm fortunate to yeah. have been able to forge these relationships with these people. And... What's the common aspect of all of these teachers that you kind of like specifically have been gravitating towards as far as picking them as instructors? Well, everybody was different in some ways. In, in one sense, with people like Fred Sato and Jim Harrison, it was the man. It wasn't even the thing, you know. Uh, with Eric Paulson and Matt Hume, Matt Hume, 
I fought one of his guys and beat him in like two minutes on short notice. On 11 days notice on winter vacation, I, which, which funny, because this involves the two people that, that got me, uh, that have my, that I traced to Sunny Pod, uh, was Chris Charnos, who I fought, yeah. and Edwin Romarosa. So I would train Muay Thai with Edwin Romarosa when I was in high school, in like 17. I needed to find, I'm, I'm in high school, saw UFC 2 on a tape in, as a sophomore, so this would be 94, and I'm going, I got to do this. I don't know how, I don't know what it takes, I don't know where you even get into this, but I will do this. And so I would spend time trying to train and do anything I could think of and watch videotapes. And, you know, a friend of mine had some boxing mitts and some bag gloves. So, all right, let's hold for each other. We don't know what the fuck we're doing, but bang, 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 you know. Oh, hey, did you hear that this guy, he does Muay Thai? Oh, yeah, well, who is he doing Muay Thai with? This other guy. Okay, well, fuck, I'll go down there on these weekends in this church basement and we'll train Kali, Eskrima, Muay Thai, whatever. And I said, well, I know how to wrestle, so I'll teach some wrestling to people. And I knew, like, a couple submissions. Yeah, let's go. And so I would show wrestling, and we would do Muay Thai and different drills. We would, would do, like, self-defense stuff. Uh, we would do knife fighting stuff with butter knives, which still sucks. <laughs> yeah, a butter knife will still go through a torso yeah, if you're, yeah, yeah. If you're not, really not cool. excited about or, it. Or, like, how to deal with things, you know, starting in a chair. And yeah, someone comes scenario up stuff. stuff. So uh, fighting in hallways... I've been doing this shit forever, uh, one way or the other. But for me, it was like, this is martial arts. This is combat. This is fighting. Take, yeah. Eat the meat and spit out the bone. Uh, I get a phone call on 11 days notice from an old wrestling coach. I know you're training and doing all this kind of stuff. So you'd be willing to go and fight Chris. He's a, he's a pro, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, when? Is it 11 days notice? Yeah. I'll be there. 11 days notice. Yeah. On winter vacation. And I showed up. I trained with Edwin for 11 days. I would jog up the hill to his place. We would train in his apartment on the carpet. And then I would go and run down to 85th and back and back to his place for a jog. And then boom, or we would go to the, the Woodland Park and he'd make me wear a big duffel on my back while I was kicking tie pads uphill and just whatever we could think of. And uh, I went out there and I, I got a good front choke and I choked Chris unconscious in two minutes, and Matt's like, we want you to come back in the summer and fight again, fight another pro, beat that guy. Then Matt's like, well, we'd really like you to join the team. Yeah. And then I got to learn what it's like to be a part of MMA in a pro school. Yeah. And Matt Hume kicking my ass you know, every day, practically. And then me constantly being like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Like, my goal is to surpass my instructor in some <laughs> way, you know? And learning things like we're doing Taekwondo drills, getting dropped to the knee, and then thinking like, oh, okay, fuck, this sucks. But, you know, I'll recover and, no, he's kneeing me the entire time. Get up, get, get up, up, get up, it's get not up. over. Yeah, forging this toughness and just learning and learning and learning and growing and going through it and, and becoming a world champion. And then even from there, when things at AMC were just kind of dissipating because things go in cycles. Yeah. There weren't anybody to train with. Matt was really um, tied up with the stuff he was doing with Pride as a judge and other things. And it's like, okay, I need some place that's about me. So then going down to California to train with Eric Paulson because I had done Eric Paulson seminars because Matt brought me. Because even yeah. though they were common opponents at one point, they were still good friends. And I saw 
Eric is one of the few people out there that had the kind of technical knowledge that Matt did. But in a funny sense, then it brings me back into this Bruce Lee cycle again for being through Inosanto Academy and getting to know Guru Dan. Oh, yeah. Uh, training Kali with him a little. Uh, and then with Eric, I mean, we've done, we'll do JKD drills out of nowhere. Uh, Tim Tackett will come by and he's teaching JKD stuff. Uh, then I got into Savat and earned my yellow glove under Nick Soniak. It just, but this like martial arts life yeah. was even more f- fully fleshed out. And it just felt like such a natural fit. Yeah. This is, this is where I need to be. Yeah. This, uh, this, this, this experience of becoming this, uh, it's almost like Highlander. You're looking for other immortals to absorb their powers. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, very much like that. <laughs> yeah, I just have this image of you looking at somebody that's very proficient, and you're like, oh, this guy need to absorb his power somehow. Um, this, uh, I've always, I always, on my end, just learning from people, I've found myself falling into the mistake of emulation. Mm. Uh, sometimes you find somebody who's very proficient at something, but he's also very big. And you want to perform like him somehow, but you can't because that's not you. So you have to adapt, adjust, and kind of figure out what the strengths are. And that's when you realize that you're not going to get that from some single person. Then you have to go to that guy over mm. there who knows that. And then you have to go to this guy. Uh, the whole aspect of going from one person to another um, the I would say that's part of what I would call ego restructuring because I do not believe in the concept of egolessness. Like that's you would you, be, can't you wouldn't that. do anything. You yeah. would do nothing if you had zero ego. Man, I've I've had some moments of zero ego, <laughs> but uh, not recently. <laughs> not recently though. Uh, yeah, um, it's not a healthy place. No, it's, it's um, you can't stay. You you can't stay. You can visit, but you can't stay mm-mm, there. Mm-mm. Uh, but. Uh, Knowing that if you what you had in your head is what you were going to do, and then what you were actually capable of at that point in time, or whether you could be capable of doing it that way at all, because let's say the person you're learning from, their their physiognomy really plays into how they're able to do what they yeah. do, right? They're a little bit more flexible. Their femur length is different, all this kind of stuff, right? So I can teach a ton of Matt Hume stuff. And I fight in a lot of ways very much like Matt Hume and Eric Paulson. Um, But they have things unique and specific to them because of being them in all ways and who they are as a person and how they're built and their physical talents and weaknesses. I had to understand that. You know, there was a guard pass. Matt Hume loved a guard break, you know, put the knee up the center line and but I can't. I could never uh, do it because yeah. I wasn't flexible enough. My legs too big. Just it'll never be my move. But I could teach that to Victor Henry. I could teach that to uh, Megumi Fuji or whoever I was working with. But I didn't need to be that person completely. But you need to. You gotta come to the term. You gotta come to terms with it's. It's. It's your. It still has to be your journey. Yeah. Even when you're in that ring, your coach can help, but they can't fight your fights for you. They can't. They can give you techniques and run drills and all this, but you got to run the drills. You got to learn the things. That fight identity that people get, like who they are as mm-hmm. fighters, and all in all, in all realms, when it comes to the martial, uh, people that get to a place where they've experienced mistake, experienced mistakes, 
failed a few times, came back, learned new things, went off and trained with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see them have a style, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, it's hard to define style sometimes to people uh, when you say, what's his style? What's that style? Like, what's your style, you know? Um, the, the ability to see, ref, to reflect back to an instructor what you see is powerful or what you see is functional, being able to absorb that for yourself. Maybe it's not for me, but you know it at least. You're, you, can, you, can, you know how to take that apart and show it to somebody else. Um, but the whole aspect of developing your own style, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to think about. Talk about you, when, you talk, when you say about ego death. There, there is an ego in, t- in style. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, ego restructuring. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and not letting that ego uh, confine you to a pathway that won't get you as far down the road as you want to go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, I've been to places to train where I see mm-hmm. tribalism. I see sure. veneration over mm-hmm. respect, which is a if you know the difference, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that they all have their places. And yeah. I, I very much venerate my, my mentors. But um, for, for not just who they were in the world, but who they were to me and, and what they volunteered yeah. and gave to me, yeah. which is part of the reason why I feel so in, indebted to give back. Yeah. So that these things continue to exist. Also, well, you're you're part of a you're part of a conversation that's been happening since the first two picked up a rock, basically. <laughs> if you sense, think yeah. if you think about it, you're, I, you're 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 basically playing telephone with that yeah. dude all the way in the past. That's true, you know, uh, with uh, the ancient Greek Pancration fighters and, and further back and further back. You, you can see, you can see the, the statues that are out there mm-hmm. and some of the pictures of how they would fight. Some of them were wearing knuckle dusters. Ah, the Kestis, yeah. yeah, yeah. So think of the think about that. Uh, um, how that has made its way all the way to now, and how you're part of that history. Yeah, now we got slap fight. Now you got. <laughs> <laughs> but that uh, slaps are no joke. Oh, uh, <laughs> tell me about it. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> not to be to stand there and let someone. Oh, is this gonna slap you, like, bro? This is not. This I, is not I, clever. I, I, I trained with uh, like I like going like every now and then I get out weird opportunities to train with weird people. Yeah. Uh, this guy, these guys were Sikh, I think, mm-hmm. Indian, um, and uh, those guys have a lot of weapons on them. That's the main mm-hmm. thing they do. Uh, some of the wrestling uh, aspects of the culture, the Hindu culture, where they uh, perform these uh, these re- like these carnival-like wrestling events, and part of the part of the fighting is slapping. Uh, They'll yeah. go into a full-on fury. Like you and me will just slap the shit out of each other's chest to see who can take the most, and eventually one of us is gonna flinch out of it. Basically, yikes! That didn't sound like fun to me. It sounds like a horrible thing, yeah. but I, I learned a few things about slapping people from those yeah. from those men. Basically, uh, a relaxed slap is welting in effect, and a really strong, stern slap is more of a knockout thing if you know where to put it, which is something I didn't mm-hmm. know. Um, the but I mean, to answer your question, uh, when I coach people, I tell them, you don't need to be me. You need to be you. You're not, and I'm the, not the, teaching the, you to be a robot. I'm the poison of emulation is that. That's, yes. Yeah. Don't, you could still end up really being a visible representation of being taught by me. That's fine. 
but you need to make this your own. Yeah. This move has to be yours through and through. Even if it comes off exactly the way that I teach it to you, or if it comes off entirely different, but still is effective. That's an interesting thing to think about. What are the, like, if, if, if I make a move that you, you know, your move, I make it mine. What does that specifically mean? That you I, I that you learn it, you dominate, you make it your own, you apply your body towards it. Is you it integrate it way? into your your mode of action in the, in the, the moment itself, be it in a ring fight or otherwise. It's when you express it. it it's, and it's expressed without thought. It yeah. is done so with full understanding of how you start it, how you finish it, and everything that branches off from every defensive uh, angle adjustment, flinch, everything. All of that shit just and it has to do with how fast you are, how strong you are, how, how tall you are, how much you weigh, uh, the length of limbs, uh, whatever, you know, your own proclivity as to how you feel something would be best applied versus yeah. the timing aspect also has to imagine if you're not experiencing your own time it correctly mm-hmm. you could be fucked yeah a, a, a right move done at the wrong time could, could be, be yeah the end of end of the day yeah like it's over you just you just That's walked right into the, the worst inter- like interesting to talk about the aspects of that because they apply to all uh, all fields when it comes to martial uh, mm-hmm. aspects I have the saying, if it doesn't make sense in a gun range, it shouldn't make sense in a knife range. Mm. When I say that, it's usually people train themselves to use weapons and they want to, oh, well, this is just for the knife and this is just for the stick and this is just for a sword. Uh, there are certain concepts and, and, and things about utilizing a weapon or utilizing violence against somebody that are pretty universal. It's true. At a base level. At the very least, don't employ something if you're not willing to destroy it. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, if you're not willing to destroy what you're going to employ it against. Like, don't fuck around. There is no... The, one of the quickest ways to, to really make me start getting weirded out is watch people mess around with weapons in a in a too careless of a way. Yeah. I was just like, oh, oh I don't want to be here. I don't want to be anywhere around this person. That's just... Uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't fun and games. I think for me, it's the commitment of picking up something that is a knife, for example. Um, you have people out there showing or teaching... Less lethal knife combat, where they're gonna slash Wait, your. Wait, what? You're gonna slash your tendons, so you're you're disarmed, literally. You just ruined that person's life. It's forever. It's, well, well, it's the and ad- probably killed them because if there's a tendon, there's well, probably an artery. Which- you, you step back and you tell them like, well, that's that's mutilation. <laughs> also, uh, another thing of some people talk about when it comes to knives, things that I'm known for, you know. I'm a surgeon. By the way, knives are the worst. That's Everybody, fuck don't, that. don't, don't no. get into a knife no. fight. If no. you can That's... avoid it at all costs, don't. No. Just don't do it. It's horrible. And don't think you're going to just go out there and, oh, man, people are so stupid about knives. And uh, just don't do it. Don't, just don't. You're going to get, you're, you know what? If you're going to get into a fight in general, <laughs> you, you should already understand that you're going to get hit. Yeah. Guess what? When you got a blade, expect that you're going to get stabbed, slashed, whatever. Or if you're, if you found the wrong person, you'll get sodium pod filleted. Yeah, and you don't want you'll, that. You'll, you'll, you'll never see it. Yeah, you'll never see it. Uh, the the whole aspect of it, if it doesn't make sense in a knife range. It shouldn't make sense in a gun range. Um, the I'm gonna train you how to slice people's arms so they cease to become a threat to you, which is something that people train themselves to do. Um, 
the uh, the thing that I see wrong in that is that if I take you to a gun range and I show you how to shoot people in the leg, <laughs> you know, as a self as a less lethal option for for cops. Well, one, you're really trying to teach them how to do something far more difficult, far more precise, and you're asking a whole lot more. It's 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 just not something that is logical. Yeah, plus and you could blow that femur apart, the artery in there, they bleed to death. It's it's uh, also like uh, in high stress. I've seen people with millions of dollars worth of training yeah. with firearms miss from here to you. Yeah, of course. Right? So it's not that easy. The you know the, the whole con and when I sit down and kind of review the whole of it, you know, I, I, I teach people this. Uh, government hires me sometimes to show them stuff related to improvising and mm -hmm. making weapons and stuff like that. And they ask me like, "What's the best system to train under to learn how to use weapons?" Cardio, uh, learning how to fall, mm -hmm. um, sparring. Full contact sparring yes. and knowing what it's like to get your head rocked. And how to uh, actually try something that you've demoed. Yes. Now try and do it to someone who isn't going to cooperate no, and no. they're doing it back. If you hear somebody saying, I'm a surgeon with a knife, it means the motherfucker's killing bodies, uh, killing, like stabbing bodies or something like that, yeah. like dead bodies. People do not want to die. If I wanted to, let's say, take that knife um, right there and try and deliver it to you, you would not allow me to. You would probably push off the table first. Yeah, I would try to create distance, get try my hands in front of me, try, try to throw protect all my arteries. The, try yeah. to throw all the shit you would This would me. turn into a whole chaotic it, shit show. So it all, would not look cool. No one would be doing a bunch of... All of my John Wick BS is going to go out the window, but eventually, if I fucking, you know, if I believe in myself enough, figure out a way to stab you in the heart. And that's going to end things. Yep. It's not beautiful. It's horrible. It is. I've seen some very proficient people getting put down with by some very stupid people, young, inexperienced yeah. people with something like Even that. Even if you're going to try and train knives. And this has always been, uh, well, this is for me in martial arts. If it doesn't have full contact sparring, it's not martial arts. It is a waste of time. I don't give a fuck who you're Sifu or Lama or whatever. No, they, they don't know shit. I always look at noses first. <laughs> it's, it's something that I, when I, since I've, you know, started training, training, and it's in Mexico, so we had some pretty ridiculous training. Some good, some, mm -hmm. some good stuff, but pretty ridiculous. Every now and then I would see a guy, just beautiful teeth, straight nose, showing me this weird technique on how to arrest somebody and put them on the ground. And we would all be, <laughs> Suspicious in the background, just looking at this fucker. No and scars, no proof. No scars, no proof. A big, pretty cool document behind him on mm -hmm. the wall. Um, the honesty, and I, and, I, and I get, you know, that's, I've met some of the most, you know, down to earth, honest, and humble people by rolling and going and sparring with people uh, in, in gyms, boxing. How can you, it's such a how, personal how you, experience. How could you yeah, not? How can you be an asshole when you have your ass handed to you several times over by a lot of people there and still show up the next day? Mm -hmm. That is a, that is a, and that's, it's an interesting uh, place to kind of build yourself up. Uh, speaking of the universality of, you know, but, the and, and you have to do the same with knife training. You got to find safe ways to train knives. Yeah. And the first time I ever did full full sparring with, well, we did some with butter knives, but then at Jim Harrison's, we put on MMA gloves, 
fencing masks, and we use the wooden tontos. Yeah. The first thing you learn is the closest object to you is a thing you should hit first. Whap! Yeah. Fuck, you just dropped the knife. Well, I guess you're dead, aren't you? Yeah. You know? And hitting that close target, then doing more advanced training and sticks and knives. And even the last time I was telling the story of training uh, with sticks, we had some uh, batons and we had MMA gloves on and all this. And Paulson goes, oh, he, he'll spar you in class. I'm like, I am? Okay. <laughs> and so I get in there and people are you know, working on their forms and they want to send a Wally into something. And I'm just moving, slipping, bang, jab right in the face. <laughs> and then, you know, low kick the shit out of them. And then get in, close the distance, puja, because, bomb, 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 f- bomb, bomb, and then throw them. They're fixated on the weapon. Yeah. This is the only option. And, you know, as they're swiping and swinging, I'm dodging mostly, blocking where needed. But if I block, I'm coming forward. Yeah. If all you have is one stick, you're fucked. You're fucked. As yeah. soon as you, if you're not making contact in a, in a debilitating way, which... And the other thing I was explaining to a friend of mine is that most rattan sticks you see people doing calling this game are too thin. They are not going to stop you. Yeah, they're, you're, they're, you're not. It's you, not. A, it's not going. And it's not going to be a knockout blow. If I drop my hands and let you just you know, wail on me, you. yeah, probably. But if I've got my hands up and we're fighting here, you aren't taking me out with it's that. It's going to hurt like a motherfucker. It's going to motivate you to correct try and control. Which whatever is also the fuck why Edwin Romarosa, my first Kali instructor and Muay Thai. He goes, okay, we're going to get you your own sticks. We went to a cane shop, and I got rattan cane like this, this long. He goes, you need, if you're going to hit someone, you need to hit them and make it hurt. Beefy. And so, you know, we did Sinawali, boom, one little ricochet once. Giant welt opens up on my head right away, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. But, but at the same time, like, people get that stick, and they're like, oh, I have to, no, this is, this is a force multiplier. Yeah, this is this is at the tip of your of the arrow yeah. shaft. But we're still fighting. Yeah, you still have the whole fucking this. They, they still have to fly through the air. And we even got into a little. Uh, one of the students, I boom, I break in. I accidentally let go of my stick on accident, and then I just beat the fuck out of him, threw him, and just you know, it's like your stick is useless now. Yeah, because you don't know how to grapple with it, and you don't have any distance to generate the force that the stick helps you with. Yeah, at at, at certain spaces things. It's when it comes to weapons, I mean, this is true for a lot of things. The target dictates the dictates the weapon, and the weapon di- dictates the movement. If somebody's really far away, you're gonna have to throw something at them. Uh, if they get really close, your stick is gonna be good until it isn't. You know, mm-hmm. if you're really close and wrapped up when somebody you pull out something pointy, that's gonna be that's, that's gonna be. But if you're really far away, the dude can shoot you yeah, in the yeah, face. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is one of the nastiest, most. This is the thing you want to get into a fight with the least. Yeah. And what is it, 21 feet, 22 feet or something like that? Yeah, that, 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 the rule. And I've, I've beat that rule a few times. You know, I've, I've gotten further away. You know, all you have to do is, uh, you know, go towards a very specific side, you know, hmm. and then zigzag to the other end. You know, won't be able to catch you sometimes. But the, the mindset of it is, is pretty interesting how, per- personally, I like to, whenever I go somewhere and train something, even if it's sports-based, People say that as a derogatory thing. Uh, yeah. This is sports-based. All combat training in some way, shape, or form is sports-based. If I go and take you to a shoot house, yeah. we're not actually going to shoot people or else it's going to be a... So there's, it's a sport. It's a, it's, there's rules. It's, it, it's to allow the training to emulate the conditions the that you're, you're, you're... As possible. But yeah. 
honestly, that's just that's just cope bullshit to cover up the fact that their shit don't really work. They never actually tested it, and they, their faith in it is so high, and, and and they have to keep it that way because if they were to have that allow that faith to be tested, it would crumble. Yeah. And watching guys go like, well, if I could eye gouge you, well, I could show you old fights. Like John well, people, Marsh fights people, a kung fu guy who said that was all allowed, and John Marsh top wrist locks and breaks his fucking arm, and the guy had to pay out. Or you know, you want to talk about what a knife fight's like, which I know you know, but uh, one of the cold old Cold Steel dudes uh, told a story of some tweaker at a gas station coming up and like freaking out at him and claiming that he was this and that, and the guy's like, I don't fucking know you, I don't know anything. And the guy pulls out a, a blade and comes at him. And so he freaks out and he puts his first hand up and he's, it's not a good blade, thankfully, but it, you know, it's kind of getting him here and there. And then he draws. And as he, he's got a self opener, he draws and he just goes like this right off the bat. Blade goes in the guy's mouth, completely opens him up. He goes like this and then he does this. Second thing is he hits the guy in the top of the arm and the bicep just goes whoop. And he said it felt like he didn't use any force yeah he just ah, ah, yeah. and everything just fell apart flopped yeah and the guy turns ghost white bloods everywhere and then sprints off never to be seen from yeah. again yeah, probably died somewhere <laughs> but yeah. it was just draw uh, it yeah. wasn't anything pretty about it. it wasn't cool it wasn't like they were doing he was just like oh shit get off me yeah. and the guy Starts coming apart. We, we like a fucking flower. The, 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 speaking like a in ex, like the the experience factor of training, like the whole lot, uh, we would we hang pigs like mm -hmm. pig carcasses. Every now and then we get people that come in. I've been training Filipino martial arts for twenty years, yeah. thirty years, and um, with aluminum trainers, okay, or knock knives. Uh, the problem with knock knives and aluminum trainers is if you poke somebody with it, you'll push them back. And a stab, is a, a stab actually feels and looks like a punch, mm. if you think about it. Either a hammer fist or the top part of your fist. This is what it actually feels like. So you'll see them step in front of the pig, not know exactly what distance they need to be at, and proceed to do a very superficial stab at full force. Because they've been training themselves to hold mm. back this whole time because See, they don't want to stab somebody. I thought you were going to tell me a story of them doing one of these. Does it slip? And no, then put a no, blade into their no. own hand. They actually stab. They, they've. You get two types. You know, the, there's always some. Every now and then, tennis. We had this class in Tennessee. Giant fucking hog. Like, hey, you want a pig head? Yeah. Oh, cool. Get in the truck. <laughs> really? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful part of the country. I hope you used your uh, your ten millimeter. Uh, was it Vesper or... Uh, yeah, the Vector? Yeah, Vector. I can't, I can't say. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we got one, you know, big giant one. Uh, we hung it. Uh, 10 millimeter the, is the right millimeter, by the way. Yeah, 10 millimeter will do some shit to a body. Um, the, we hung it up. And uh, FMA guys show up and they're like... Again, weird. Um, they didn't perform as well as you would think. And then there was two good old boy dudes, hunters. Mm -hmm. Those motherfuckers. Just <laughs> like just ripping this thing apart. Also, they've been processing deer for their whole lives. Sure. So that's a different experience space. And uh, you see this difference of 
individual, you know. The somewhere in the middle is a profession individual, but you know, the, the, these two sides of it are interesting to see. When we would train, we would use uh, hot water pipe insulation materials that are very much made out of the, like, the foam. Mm-hmm. So every time we were trained to stab, that would collapse in our hands, and we were actually training how to do chest compressions on somebody with a pointed object mm-hmm. in our hand. That was the thought process of it, you know? And it would lead to fucking people getting into grappling, punching brawls with pointed objects. And the reason they trained us how to do that in that way is, as you say, somebody gets stabbed once or somebody gets their arm laid off, that's not going to stop them. They're just still capable of running around. Especially depending on what drugs they're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole aspect of fighting somebody to the ground... And how that, you know, it doesn't, you can get knee to the ground, but that's not the end of the fight. Yeah. You can get stabbed right in your heart, but you still probably, depending on the stab, you still probably have a few, a few minutes maybe. Retribution? <laughs> you know, the aspect of retribution, are you still fighting? Or are you mm-hmm. just going to play, are you just going to die? It's weird to see how some of these things kind of like throughout the spectrum of what is martial, kind of like it's the same. And yet, it, when thing, it's honest, when it's honest and true, it's brutal. You gotta, you gotta create that stress situation as best as you can, to then even have a chance, a hope of performing well enough to survive, let alone win. Yeah, the the, the we call them stress modifiers. You know, um, you know, I, I, every every combative art has it you know sparring is a mm-hmm. sparring has stress modifiers in it because you're allowed to continue until you can't yeah, one of the an easy one to do is make someone do 30 seconds on 30 <laughs> seconds off on an air bike for three minutes and then stick them in the ring yeah <gasps> and now fight when you're you're yeah. already out of breath yeah <clears throat> stress modifiers. yeah uh, learn how to for, work through it. For medical, uh, we put uh, dog shot collars on people's arms to simulate injuries, mm-hmm. right? So like, ah, oh, you're shot in the arm. Uh, I am actually shot in the arm. Yeah. Uh, can you perform what, all the shit you learned this past two days? Can you do it with your life? Can you compartmentalize this now? Yeah. yeah. Can you figure that out? The honesty of training in that way, not only just training in that way, but also like I never show anything in a class that I can't do myself. Mm-hmm. I always demo first. And every now and then I get into the tussling matches with some students. But the aspect of actually providing an example, like a first-person example, when I talk about what, you, what do you see in instructors or people that you feed off as far as the martial aspect of your life, something I look at too, you know, these, uh, this, these people that have a physical commitment or investment in what they're showing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these, are, these are the ones, you know. Well, by being the guy did it himself and then doing it alongside them is what has earned the trust for the people that I have trained. Yeah. And, um, you know, there sometimes, and I've taken Victor Henry out to go and do knife Vi- stuff, gun stuff. V- Victor, Victor was here. We were going to actually have his episode come out I'm before you. to it. But uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. Fascinating dude. Uh, told us some wild stories. I bet. Uh, he, uh, you and him uh, traveled internationally a bit and, you know, got into some shit probably somewhere. Uh, but uh, he's going to talk about some of that in his, in his episode. The, the aspect of you turning into a fighter in your own regard mm-hmm. and building that reputation for yourself and legacy, because you have a fucking legacy. 
right? Which is awesome. I mean, he knew. Yeah, I've we done were, a few like things, we yeah. like it was cool to see somebody that we saw fight now here, right? But when when uh, when we were hearing Victor talk about you, in the way he was talking about you, this this um, he like he showed up with hunger. Uh, he showed up with intention. He showed up with a lot of things, and that wasn't enough. I, I, I guess in a way, in the way he he says, I, what, not enough. I mean, and he didn't he didn't feel like he impressed anybody specifically, <laughs> specifically you, and how none of the none of the things he achieved till he got to you meant shit. What meant shit was he what he would do every day in training. That's what meant that that's what was meaningful. Um, I have had just so so many people <clears throat> tell me you know, that of all that they would sacrifice if just to, to be under my tutelage, how committed they were and how they were so going to be the one to become the one, you know, and me just sitting there going, yeah, sure you are. But I can already tell by the shit you're saying, the way you're saying it, you don't have a fucking clue. What you're, what you're, what you're, and what you're offering. You can, yeah, and some of you, you can say this now, but I already know. I'll put you in it, and you'll fucking fold. You will fold like wet paper, do, man. Do you, do you do this? Is this like a filter? Do you actually... I, and, any, and, and anybody it, I take on, I take on as a personal. A, pro, a probationary. Well, kind thing. of. There's that. But I, I take on... If you're my, my student, if I'm guiding your life and career as a fighter, it's a personal project because fighting is one vector amongst many, and I'm going to be a part of this. And as soon as I say that I'm here for you in this way, I, that means I have to accept everything. I don't get to create these... I don't get to, like cut out the parts that I don't find appealing yeah, or that I you have might to take not whole, feel that I was prepared for. You have to take the whole bag. You're signing up for this person's life. And so with that, you better, you better show up for them as a father, as a brother, as a coach, as a friend, as the person that's got to bail them out. Well, I've done that before too, you know, or the person that, <laughs> You're there, and you see somebody being a cocksucker to this chick on the side of the road, and you pull up and you stop. Your buddy gets your, your student gets out, and he says, "Hey, man, you want to be rough with, with rough with a woman? Why don't you fucking try being rough with me?" And this guy pulls a blade, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sitting there in my car, and put on the I, clutch. I'm, I'm committed to this, and I'm just like, if he comes across. He's in, he's in front of my my left headlight right now. Yeah. And he's kind of, he's just posturing. He really don't want to do any of this shit. But if he comes across that thing quick, he's getting around the fuck over. Always, and then I, always the corner of the car. Yeah, never well, the he's, middle. He's right in front. And I'm like, this idiot is pulling a blade while I'm behind the wheel. God, that's a big, that's a big bullet you're driving. And now I'm thinking, <laughs> what do we do with the girl then after? Yeah. Let's figure that out. <laughs> but either way, this guy's gonna be under my tires. He's okay. not smart, but uh, he's not even, he's so, that guy is so, uh, he's so, he, he got himself all fired up. He was already mad at this girl. 
And then he got himself so tunnel visioned on the student. Yeah. And I'm watching this. I'm just like, you're dead, dude. And you don't even know it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll never, you're never going to reach him. You're never going to reach the guy that you think you're going to stab. You're just going to get killed. So to understand this, that is the level of commitment that you have to somebody when mm -hmm. you choose to take them on as a student. We are in this together. You know, I'm traveling abroad with you. I, you are tr entrusting me with your life yeah, in a way it, to it, put you in a ring where someone's going to try and beat the shit out of you. And it's it's not just that. I mean, there's all, there's this whole aspect of negotiation that you travel to. Also, you're basically, I mean, the, you're basically you already went through it yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's that experience of it. So oh, and, and in a way that was way sketchier. Yeah, yeah, like, like, there, there, yeah, yeah. The, the people that I've sat at, I'll put it this way: <laughs> when People of certain persuasions have always enjoyed fighting. Oh, yeah. Now, when this sport isn't considered a sport, it gets kicked off of pay-per-views and states are banning it. It's, it's, it's far less accepted. Who do you think is going to be the main drivers of creating these spectacles and funding them yeah. and wanting to be around it? Organized crime. So, you know, you have... Ways that you can approach this that will work out okay, and ways that you can approach this probably won't because you're, you're, you're fucking around with things that you shouldn't be. Yeah. And uh, to try and tell these kids, like, you have no idea yeah, don't, don't where be I've been and who I've been sitting at, people who have had me at their dinner tables, you, you, you don't get it. Yeah. You don't know all the weird-ass places we've been or you know, threats that have had to been levied to get paid. And, you know, it's... Yeah. You guys now have a nice luxury to approach this sport. Yeah. And you get to become famous from it. Whereas I didn't even know fame. <laughs> I just wanted to find the way to be the strongest in the world. That's all I wanted. Yeah. So that, that's that's a lot to that's a lot to take on. Like that's that's what people are asking for when they yeah, arrive. I think about, okay, I'm gonna put you on this journey. You're gonna get beat in the head every day, practically, and then you're gonna get in the ring and do all this. Who are you gonna be at the end of this? And are you actually doing something that isn't going to just leave you crippled and broke? Or am I going to try and is that help you to have a life after this? Is, is, is that something you, the afterlife for any fighter? Yes. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, the other after, but, right. I mean the, but basically the, the after party. 100%. You, you've signed up for a penny and a pound. It starts off at a penny, and it grows to a pound, and they're on, and they're on. And I don't want you to come in a penny for a, a penny to a pound, and then leave as a pen, and leave with a penny. It needs yeah. to. Is that in, that's that's in the conversation? Yeah. You know, right now the the the, the lifespan of a fighter, you know, is. I don't know. There's some there's some mutants out there that you know they can take it pretty. They can go go all the way. Yeah. Uh, but there's some other people out there that don't have the skull density. Or it's uh, yeah. It's usually about after seven years in. That's usually when the people's success really starts to decline. What are you, as somebody that's there looking out for some of these fighters? What are you looking at when you start seeing those degradations? Uh, just compete. Uh, Failing competition. Well, you know, the simplest, um, the simplest um, aspect to look at is comparing 
them now to who they were yeah. and, and seeing if, if we're seeing improvements or uh, obviously there's always going to be decline in speed, rhythm, strength, different things, right, as they get older. Seeing how they're able to deal with that, whether they're able to uh, create other pathways of success that won't rely as much on those. And they've got ways of mitigating where they will start to decline to then still be able to remain competitive. Also, it's it's as simple as cognition, yeah. speech, paying attention to that, and then money. Like, is this just holding them back from being able to have a profession that's, that is a, a viable thing for another, like, for like 30 years versus staying in this and essentially, uh, like, beating yourself into, into bankruptcy because you're not going to really make any money at it. Nothing that is enough to put away. Yeah. You know, your, your part-time job, you're, not, you're, you're doing this. You're, and you're, you're not selling the stream. No. <laughs> you're not selling the stream too well. And so you have to... You have, you have to be brutally honest about this sort of yeah. thing, and you really want to approach it from the perspective of safety of not the fighter, the athlete, the safety of the person that you, you give a shit about. You know, your charge that you took under your, your wing, this is, you owe it to them. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's almost like a shamanic experience, what you're, what you're expressing in a lot of ways. Oh, I've, I've, I've had those moments. I've had plenty of moments that are very much otherworldly with, with, these, with individuals. I mean, in a lot of ways, a shaman is somebody that's been to the underworld and comes back with songs and mm -hmm. experiences. I don't know if you've been through the underworld, but it seems like you've been through an underworld of a sort. Me, me in the darker side of life. My, my shadow is well adjusted. I know what it is. I, I know where it goes and what's good about it and what's bad about it. I've seen, been in some weird places, doing some, done some weird things. And uh, the, the fact that they don't, I don't ever lose sleep about any of that kind of stuff. It's just not how I'm built. Okay, so here's a weird story. It's it, to me, it's entirely mundane, but to other people, it seems a no normal is a fluid concept. Yeah. <laughs> so I have this car, and I and I don't have the space in the garage. I'm trying to get rid of this piece so I can park it in there. But I noticed I had an issue with rats getting into the engine bay and trying to make little nests. Well, I don't hate rats. I don't hate it. I'm not. I'm not. As much as I'm a hunter, I hunting made me love animals more for everything that has to go into what it comes to take that life and do something yeah. with it than, than to make me desensitized from that. In fact, it made me really sensitive to it. Uh, it's funny how some of the people that aren't, uh, that don't agree with hunting and really spends a lot of time outside. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. into that. Uh, so... <laughs> And I'm like, well, shit, you know, he chewed one hose and ruined it. I got to get rid of these guys. So I set some traps out, and I set out uh, traps that I were going to kill them instantly because yeah. I don't want this animal to suffer. It's just doing its thing. This isn't, this isn't personal. Yeah. They, they're not really they're not falling for it now. <laughs> fuck. So I have these Kevlar gloves. Okay. And I have, and so I put them on. And so what I did was, uh, every now and again, when I'd come home 
when I leave and when I come back, I pop the hood real quick and see if, and I see him, snatch, snatch up a rat. And what I do is I, I snatch him, grab him, and I just choke it until it dies. Okay. The first time I ever did this, though, popped this rat, I got it in my hands, and I'm, I'm around its neck. And the FedEx guy rolls right up. He's like, hey, what's up, man? Oh, that car is sick, bro. I go, yeah, if I just keep these guys out of there, I go, whoa. <laughs> just uh, choke them out, huh? <laughs> I'm standing there having a little conversation about the Mustang while I'm choking this rat to death. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you tell this to people. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you choking these rats by hand? And I go, effort. because humane effort. I'm trying to be humane, but also, and I tell them, like, before <laughs> the loop is closed, I tell them I'm sorry. You know, it's not personal. I wish it could be different, but you don't understand. I can't dissuade you, so I have to do this. They and should, yeah. you know what? I love you anyways. Time to die. Yeah. There should be a reverence in all killing, is, is what I've heard some people say. That guy that witnessed that probably is telling that story somewhere out there. This motherfucker was choking out a rat. Gloves. <laughs> Somewhere. And it's not the first I've I've done it since. <laughs> I remember the last time I'm standing there, I got the, and, and like now all the bicyclists are coming up the street. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> That's a, uh, when I was a kid, uh, my, my mom get, uh, my mom decided it was a good idea to give me a twenty two rifle. Mm-hmm. I was I don't know, ten or something like that. Um and I uh, encountered a bull. Just this bull. I grew up in the high desert. This mm-hmm. bull just running, just running around wild. Uh, chases me up a tree. <laughs> okay. I'm fucking 10. Chases me up a tree. And out of pure fear, I snap like four rounds at it. What'd you have? It was a Remington. 22. Oh, Remington. 20. Yeah. Like a yeah. Tube fed. Tube fed. You would feed it at the bottom. Yeah. Clack, 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 clack. Shook it off. Walked off into the woods. Got back home, told my mom about it, and my mom's like, "It's horrible, Ed." I was like, "Why?" It tried to, it tried to run me over. Yes, but now it's suffering out there somewhere. And that shit got to me in a very deep way. The guilt aspect yeah. of it just fell on me. It's the first time I can remember just being, feeling that level of guilt. Yeah. Um, I spent weeks looking for it. Couldn't find it. Um, probably the second week. Um, walking around, uh, and I could hear this thing just walking through the bushes. I could see the tip of its horn, so I knew what it was. Um, I ran up on top of a rock as this zombie-like bull walked towards me. It's been injured. For two weeks, coyotes have been at it a little bit, but it's been surviving somehow. Mm-hmm. One of its eyes is white, you know? Mm-hmm. This vision of death just shows up. Um, I'm standing on top of this rock looking at it with my rifle, and I can't sh- shoot it. And it sh- just walks closer to me and puts its snout on the, on the rock and looks at me for a bit. And I just don't know what to do with it. I'm freaked out. I'm afraid. 
disgusted a little bit, and I feel empathy towards it, so I don't shoot it. And it walks off. I go back home again, and I tell my mom, hey, like, look at me, you know? Like, I didn't shoot it this time. You should have. You should have shot it. You should have let it. You should have just released it. That, that would be... I remember just going through all these fucking emotions when I was 10, this whole aspect of it. Um, it's the first time that I couldn't sleep because of the guilt of uh, shooting something alive. And, and it was also the first time I felt guilt about not shooting something. Mm-hmm. The... The understanding of what suffering is in the world. Yeah. And the idea of creating suffering that didn't have to exist should terrorize a person. That should be uh, that's that's that should be talked about as a definition a part of a definition of evil, I think. It could be even evil through cowardice. Yeah. And you know, even with something as stupid as these, these rats it's my responsibility. It, it is, yeah. And to have, to try and just like ignore that is bullshit. Yeah. You know, to, to not own up to, yeah, no, these things are going to die because of this situation, because I made a choice. This is on me. The, the responsibility of it. You know, everybody wants rights, but nobody fucking wants responsibility. No, nobody that wants responsibilities. Uh, the first deer I ever killed, I actually killed with a knife because I didn't hit it properly, and I thought I killed it. But I get hiking across the canyon. I get up there. I'm 12, and I see I didn't, I didn't get it behind the shoulder. Yeah. Caught it in the gut. Fuck. And this thing is freaking out. Yeah. Pull up my rifle. Put it on the head, bam! Somehow, I managed to just catch the jaw. It's a thing. I'm like, oh no! It's a thing. Now this thing is on the ground, and it's kind of moving. A bit, and I don't know what to do. I pull my buck. I come up on it. You talk about stabbing, yeah, right in the neck. Wop 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 wop. Hamburger it. Yeah. Dead. Well, not only did it take me like 45 minutes to get across that canyon, because my dad just let me go. Go ahead, boom, go get it. And then he get he shows up in like ten minutes. I'm like, how the fuck did you get here so fast? He goes, oh, animal trails, this and that. I go, you just let me just stomp through all that crap. He goes, well, you had to learn. And he looks at the deer. He's like, what the fuck? I I explained to him, and he goes, so you you knifed it to death? I didn't want it to suffer anymore. I'd already fucked up twice. Yeah. I wanted this thing to be done with any of that. That, and if I didn't do something. I have to live with that. Yeah, like I, I'm hunting the the circle of life. Totally okay with all of that, right? But this animal doesn't need to suffer. Yeah, and I don't. If I don't do what the best that I could do for it, I'm not respecting the hunting of it in the first place. Yeah, it's not okay. Yeah. The 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 ability to know that you know that's what makes us human. The awareness that we can, you know, 
give out but who wants, but in this day and age in modernity who wants to confront that no who everybody, wants to everybody wants rights rights what well, they want some something to be done for them so to absolve them of the responsibility whether that goes off good or bad and mm. well although when things go good everybody loves to get a pat on the back and be like i'm a part of this i did this when something goes wrong no one wants to be like i did this yeah it was well intentioned but it turned out sideways yeah even just to get them go like I initiated this. This came about because I created an action, and it followed through, and this is where it'll end up. No, they were like, well, and then this person did that, and then this person, blah blah blah. And they, it's always an absolution. It's always a working towards absolving themselves piece by piece and bit by bit to remove themselves out of that equation as much as is feasibly possible, so that then somebody else could look at it and go, oh, oh okay, well, I see that. Um, because you've you've par parceled out all of this accountability onto every on everything else, therefore now I can't really hold you to the same degree that I I wanted to to begin with. It's like it's just fucking bullshit. Yeah. And I think, in a sense, what you're doing is you're killing a part of your own spirit when you do that. And that is something you can't play with that. You, you, there can be no brooking in, in that sense. You know, you lose the tip of your finger, <clears throat> you can still figure out ways to do stuff. Yeah. You yeah. make mistakes, you were an idiot, and you learn better. Okay. You damage your spirit. You, you, you gamble with something that may be ir irreparable. Yeah. And not only will it be irreparable for you, it's going to guide you in ways potentially to cause harm in the world around you. Getting to a place mentally where you realize that everything's finite and you lose parts of yourself when it comes to the soul takes a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> People think I'm morbid, you know. I, I, I've sent you a picture before of my altar. Yeah. And while I'm not uh, practicing Santa Muerte or anything, but when I saw the first statue I ever came across, it immediately... It uh, something in me was immediately Attra uh, you know, the, the attracted to it. Like there's something about this that it's saying something that I understand, even though I've never even seen it. Yeah, I know what death is, and I know the reaper and all these different things. But there's something about this that's already drawing me in, and this isn't about even it in and of itself. Specifically, Santa Muerte. It is about the universals that this thing is also tying into. So my altar isn't even about worship of death so much as it is also about celebration of life. life. And it's not even so much worship of death. It's the acknowledgement. It's the, the knowing that I cannot walk in the world without it being alongside me. Yeah. And the more you make peace with that and in some way can willingly and knowingly account for death being there at all times, then everything else is so much easier. And it actually feels more of a, of a way of moving at peace than struggling in the world because when death is there, it is there. But nothing is a given. And your great deeds may be forgotten, but your great deeds also might not be recognized yeah. for any given reason. And the fact is those aren't the reasons to do them in the first place. 
And you have to get beyond that. And you have to get to this mode of being where the full, the full release and, and, and expression of your will to power and what you can create of this, that is what you have to do, regardless of whether someone likes it or they don't. Or, and, and, or even, look, you might feel that way as some sort of gangster. Yeah. Okay, well, accept that from your side of things, you're going to be in the minority on this. But if you accept it and you have some honor with that, Know? Maybe somebody at the end of the day, someone will say, "Well, he had honor. I, I had to, he had to be destroyed because he was ultimately a uh, a negative effect on things around here." But you know, yeah, he wasn't just a piece of shit. You know? he, he he. There was something about him that was knowable to all. Who all they had to do was just even the, a, a small glance. You you're uh, you're producing some amazing fighters. Like I, I, seeing Victor, yeah, was a was a treat. Pleasure. It was my absolute pleasure to be able to put him down here. You, uh, you, you, uh, you know those, those that can't those that can't do teach is something that some a few assholes out there have told me. You know, and and and, uh, and it is true to a degree. To a degree, I'm 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 still I still fight them tooth and nail on that one. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, the I'm feeling it. I, mean, I just turned forty this past year. Um, I've lived a life of very. I didn't think I was going to live past uh, thirty-three. That was my whole thing, Jesus' age. Mm-hmm. Um, and with age, you know, things start slowing down. Uh, things recoveries longer. Um, Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. What advice do you have for people that are getting into the age where they are now turning into this, uh, you know, the teachers, the mentor act uh, aspect? For one, of it? stop trying to hang on to what you were and be more in tune with what you are and what you want to be. Um, you will not be able to be the physical athlete throughout your entire career cuz guess what you weren't them when you started either. Yeah, you weren't you were you yeah, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, you're not that at all at the start of that. Um you have to reinvent yourself. This is true. And you have to you have to you have to acknowledge where the pathway is taking you. And you whether or not you could have you should have zigged instead of zagged or any of these sort of things, you know. Don't get too caught up on the what ifs. The regret. Just keep them in the back of your head so that when you come across someone else, you can say, hey, well, I did this, and this turned out that way. But I could have done this, and it might have turned out that way. I don't know it will necessarily turn out, it will, that it will necessarily equate to that, but let me give you more understanding of these different roads that, in fact, there may be you know, a pathway off the bushes over there yeah. that you didn't see, but I have seen, and I didn't take it, but I see the top of that hill and the fruit tree that's up there. So maybe it could take you to that. But you'll have to find out yourself. Yeah. Um, and with the, those that can't teach is that is about 
that person who wants to, they themselves were never capable of the glory that they, that they thought that they could accrue from doing the thing. So they think they can get it secondhand off of someone else. And therefore, they could somehow now replace that which they were not capable of. That could become toxic. And pff, you, it is toxic. Yeah. Or, and, and with that, hold, hold a position of authority as if they had actually earned it. Yeah. That's wild. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm telling you, I'm bringing you on the path. Path you've never fucking walked. Yeah. The path that you, for one reason or the other, it was not available to you. That's, a, that's an interesting observation to and see people like that who want to live vicariously through that. Yeah. And now you want to sit here and be treated as if you did. Yeah. Because you opened up a school and you say, I'm an instructor. So now you, I'm hoping that the world will lavish me with the kind of praise and fear of my physical capabilities from something I've never actually fucking done. Yeah. And in that sense, it's one of the most pathetic things that walks the earth. The not fake it till you make it, the fake it till everyone believes it. Yeah. Fuck that person. Fuck the inauthentic. Yeah. You know, uh, go swallow a nine millimeter, whatever, or, or turn your life around right away because you are poison to those that get drawn into your circle, your little fucking whirlwind of bullshit, you harm the world. That's true. Um, it was a pleasure having you One on. One story. Oh, we have a... Okay, hold on. So Victor Henry. Vic, oh, this is a Victor Henry story? Oh, yeah. Uh, Be Diablito. Yes, Vidiablo, Vidiablo, aka La Mangosta. Yeah, we came, we gave him a little demon doll that oh, I had. Perfect. Everybody gets a gift. He got it. He hated the fact. He's like, I had a nickname. I was Vidiablo. I'm like, yeah, to them. Yeah. To me, you're a fucking mongoose. <laughs> mangosta. Yeah, mangosta. At first, he's like, La? You give me a La nickname? I'm like, fuck off. Yeah, fuck All right. Feminine. <laughs> Fine. Don't worry about it. But I go, you're a mongoose. Do you know what mongooses are like? It's like stubborn as shit. Stubborn as shit. They're super curious, playful. They they're little rapscallions. They'll climb shit and get into anything they can. They love goofing off. And when it comes to fighting, they'll take on the cobra they'll and kill it viciously. They'll pass out with the poison and wake up and then eat it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you. You're this little fucking rapscallion. This little you know, funny, irreverent at times, adventurous, happy-go-lucky guy he, he, who he, is vicious as fuck when it comes down to it. He fought at the UFC and then went to work? Yeah. He told me that. Yeah, that's, how, that's just how he's built. Because uh, these car parts ain't paying for themselves. Because <laughs> I got him into muscle cars, too. We oh, have, no. Uh, he's got a 70 Cutlass. Uh, <sighs> Hotchkiss just came on board to sponsor us. Uh, Fitech is working with us. So it's... It's fucking cool, and it's uh, he bought it off of me. That was a road trip. We flew up to Washington. I had it up there. Uh, I sold it to him, and then I said, all right, well, we got to get this thing roadworthy, so I taught him how to replace the shocks and wh why we're going to get different tires for this because these ones are old, and I want to put a, a, a taller tire in the back to give us a little bit of gas mileage and all this kind of stuff. He learned how uh, top bolts on uh, 
fucking shock towers can can just seize up, and now you got to cut the fucking shock out of there. All these little things. And we drove it down from Washington into Oregon, then cut hard after Portland to the coast. And we took it the coast the entire way to San Fran and cut back in. And we just did a little road trip out of it. It had no heater, no AC, no stereo, what nothing like that. How many years was it? Uh, it was it was late autumn, so it was cold, <laughs> and we had blankets and some pillows. Cold blankets. I had uh, little battery packs. I had one that was solar on top, so we could charge it while we're driving. And I had a little uh, uh, speaker, portable speaker set, so we could listen to music. And he'd sit there and complain because I'd play like, "We're gonna listen to this guy." go over Heidegger's being in time. He's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end of it, have these conversations. He's like, well, what about this and this? And I go, see, see? And he's like, fuck you. you, yeah. know? <laughs> you know, I wanted to just keep listening to metal music and whatever, and now here we are trying to talk about philosophy. But uh, so anyways, we're, we're in Japan. And Vic told me a story a long time ago, him being in Mexico City uh, with his family. And they're at a crosswalk, and there's a blind guy there. And the guy is tapping around, and fucking Vic goes, the crosswalk changes, starts tapping to go into the street, and Vic just goes, awas, 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 and the blind guy starts tapping super fast, and he thought that was hilarious. He thought that was the funniest fucking thing. I looked at him, I was like, what an asshole. Are you fucking kidding me? Did that to a blind guy? Dick. You know? And he just, and his, and you know, Vic stepped at, um, uh, not, not Chocos, his, his, his biological dad, but, uh, uh, well, they're both Sergio Garcia, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is. It's weird to kind of uh, piece out. Kacha. Kacha is just like, man, kid. Something. <laughs> anyway, so we're in Japan, and I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Sorry, guys, if you hear this, no offense. You're good dudes. But they're a fighter and a coach from Entran Gym. Okay. We're in Japan. Entram Jim, this is the the, the Tijuana, yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, the one that produced Andres Moreno. That's right, that's the same Jim. Cool. So we're up there, and Vic goes, "Watch this." I go, "What?" And they're they're in Tokyo. And they're about to cross the street, and they get out, they step out, and all of a sudden, Vic, "Awas, awas, awas, awas," and they just, <laughs> you know, they're all like, "Oh, what the fuck?" What? And I just lost it. I he goes, "It." it Anywhere you see Mexicans, you can do this, and you will get a response. And I just laughed my fucking ass off. And then Vic explains the story to them, and they're just like, "That's good, <laughs> fuck you." <laughs> but that's that's a good one. Gonna be. I mean, they were they weren't blind. They were just blind to the the language. Yeah, and exactly. So they're off in a strange foreign land, and now all they hear is "awas awas awas." Don't do that to blind people. <laughs> by the way. Maybe, Mexi maybe 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 Mexicans lost in a foreign land, but not. <laughs> but not and it, like as soon as you say it, I want to like, I wasn't gay. What's going on? You know. <laughs> oh God. Um, That's some Victor Henry shit right there. That is we we Henry have been uh, yeah we we have a lot of uh, fucking buddy road movie type experiences. Once you know the way broadly, you see it in everything. This is true. Something from Masashi. Uh, thank you for this conversation and for uh, coming down to this weird space. It's my pleasure ever since uh, I just 
heard you on Rogan. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? There's something about him. And then looked into what you were doing and just had to send you a message and be like, yo, man, uh, <laughs> we have a lot more in common uh, than you think. And we have connections in the physical world, but it seems as though we have connections outside of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, to me, it's a relief to know that there are people out there passing it on. The fire has to be carried. It and has to be tended to. there's not a lot of people like that, and they are getting harder and harder to find. So every now and then, when I, 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 I learn th- about you, through our conversations online and also just researching you a bit. I think I got to know the most about you from Victor. <laughs> when I when I when I hear the way he talked about you and like the aspects of how, you know, uh, he he has this innocence to him and a weird a weird innocence to him uh, and how you basically, you know, stop fucking around this way, you know, that aspect of it. It's so hard to find, and it is a gift when you find it. When someone's willing to give you something as precious as essentially their life, it is your responsibility to, to take care of it. And with that, you take some of the fire from you, and you give it to them. And you teach them how to keep it kindled, and you teach them how to keep it alive. And you teach them in the, the darkest of wettest, of rainiest, of coldest, of the worst nights in their lives, if they keep that spark, it can be reignited. And it isn't just something for them to hold, but in fact, you're handing to them something that is older than yourself. Yeah. And for them, part of that responsibility now is now that you have it, now you have to pass it along. Yeah. And you have to teach, teach the world how to keep it alight. Yep. That's a lot. <laughs> um, thank you coming down this conversation and uh where can uh, people find out more about your current uh activities and goings on um with the distillery with warbringer whiskey yeah um uh, warbringerbourbon.com sign up to the email list so you'll know when drops are coming out uh we even will often set aside allocation for direct sales so you can get your hands on some uh war master edition when it's available um, for all my social media junk, it's at Josh L. Barnett on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, there's also joshbarnett.com, cool. which has a decent amount of stuff on there. And you can follow my Bloodsport Pro Wrestling. We just had our night show. You can see it is, what's going on with my, my it, athletes. It is a fun watch. It's definitely a fun watch. I have a predilection. I'm Mexican, so, you know. Of course. <laughs> it's a fun watch. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming now. That's my pleasure. Mm-hmm.